that mark? Do you know how to stand on your fingers? Do you know how to spin on ice? And I'm Lisa. Do you know how to make yourself seem stronger than you really are? care because I already got what I wanted. I'm just trying for the extra oomph. Time for another installment of Sarah's Out of Context Theater. Uh, Hi there. It's two minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 and this the month of September, the year of our Lord, 2007. Thank you for coming along making a part of your listening day. Live from the plushly appointed and anger-filled studios of AM 970 Solid State Radio, this, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It is Tuesday. And uh, welcome to Day 12. Thank you for coming by. You'd like to uh, join us today with your comments, your clarifications, your conventions, your two cents, your corrections, your what have you. Uh, it's uh, honestly just as simple. You pick up your phone, you dial these magical seven numbers, 503-733-2970. Uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, if you would like to email us, you can do that as well. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at... RickEmerson.com, Sarah at 970.am, Tim at 970.am, or Skelly J at 970.am. Uh, Thank you for coming by. It's 503-733-2970. Really? Is this true? Oh, not that F word. A different F word. Did you see that? Oh, never mind. I'm getting all ahead of myself. This is what I get for reading emails on the air. Okay. I'm sorry. Somebody... I got this email that said, did you see Jerry Lewis use that F word during the telethon? Apparently it was a different F word. <laughs> Not the one you're immediately thinking of. A different one. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll address that later. Really? Yes, apparently so. Apparently. Wait, offensive word number one or offensive word number I two? I believe it's offensive word number two. Uh, same number of syllables, one fewer letter. Letter. Er, one fewer letter? Same amount of vowels? This is the most confusing show. How is I'm it? To figure out which F word this is. <laughs> <laughs> it's um. How is it that yesterday it was carried off flawlessly, and now today we sound like we're all drunk? All right, hold on a second. What yesterday did you experience? Yesterday was fantastic, except for Scotty. If you could, I mean, really, if you were to ignore all the Scotty parts, it was genius. 
All right, it's Tuesday. Hello, it's 503-733-2970. It's Rick Emerson uh, radio program. Scotty J, speaking of which, he is ensconced firmly in his news cave, his uh, preparation cave, his call screening cave, his top five cave, the cave in which he prepares all the uh, little elements of the show that he contributes. He's there waiting to pass along your phone calls about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, and the mundane at 503 733 2970. It is the Rick Emerson radio program. Here's what's coming up today. Uh, we'll be talking to CNN radio correspondent Lisa Goddard, who uh, was off yesterday. Uh, she returns today. Now, we were going to have her on here to talk about it because it, because uh, President Bush is in Iraq. And there's this great photo that's going around where it's, I, I guess, it's like a bunch of Marines, a bunch of ground forces. And then there's Bush sort of posing in the middle with this look in his face like he just has no idea where he is or what he's talking about. I mean, even as much as that guy typically looks like Howdy Doody, I mean, he just looks off the charts. It is what we said about Jerry Lewis the other day, that somebody puts him on a plane, somebody takes him off a plane. He doesn't really know what goes on in between. So we're going to talk about George Bush uh, in Iraq, and then Lisa Goddard is also... When we called CNN to talk about Lisa Goddard, they said, Hey, do you want to talk about the GAO report? Here's a little secret between you and me, friends and neighbors. I don't really know what the GAO is or what they do, but you know what? If Lisa feels it's worth talking about, then by God, I'm going to jump on in with both feet and pretend that I uh, pretend that I know what I'm doing. What else coming up? Uh, Steve Kastamom is going to join us from New York City today. We'll also talk to CNN radio correspondent Amanda Moyer, where apparently somebody's getting all bent out of shape about. Did you see that thing where the MPAA says they're going to start rating R any movie that has smoking in it? Anyway. So there's some, yet some other study that says that uh, the nefarious and invidious influence of smoking in films causes children to develop cancer and blah, blah, blah. Doesn't matter. Anyway, we'll talk to Amanda Moyer basically because I want to know what the weather is like in Atlanta because Atlanta is where Jim Roop had to go today after sitting in that box yesterday where it was 116 degrees in California. If you didn't hear yesterday's program, really, you owe it to yourself to at some point at least go back and listen to the podcast if that's possible today, uh, it, it, just to hear the Jim Roop segment, where I swear to God, yesterday we talked to Jim Roop, who was in Los Angeles. It was 116 degrees. He was sitting inside a small metal room in just his boxer shorts with no shirt, pants, or shoes. No, I believe they were running shorts for camera. So oh, I'm sorry. More breezy. Running, running shorts and nothing else with no power on a cell phone doing his live shots while trying not to die. That was... <laughs> And I asked him, and he was straight up about it. I said, what are you wearing? <clears throat> he said, I'm wearing running shorts, Rick. I said, wearing a shirt? No, sir. Are you wearing pants or shoes of any kind? No, sir, I'm not. Sitting in a small room. and That's how he opened the phone call. 116 degrees and no power. Bam. That was it. So, uh, anyway, Lisa Goddard, Amanda Moyer, Steve Kassam on today. Uh, the top five. Scotty is preparing a top five as we uh, as we speak. You listen out of the remixed version of the Rick Emerson <laughs> show. Uh, what else is coming up today? Uh, we have our final Queensryche giveaway. We didn't get that done yesterday, so we will do it today. Uh, another installment of Spot the Fake Metal Lyrics. Uh, today for your kind of, uh, final chance of winning a copy of the two CD set, Queensryche, Sign of the Times, The Best Of. Uh, we'll list some bad ways to die, and uh, we will have... Uh I don't know, more whimsicality and merriment and things. It's 503-733-2970. We're joined today as are we always by the lovely and talented Sarah Steele. How are you doing today? Passive-aggressive does get you somewhere. Yes, it does. We should talk about what we're... We should, we should discuss a little bit what we're talking about here. So, so there is... How do I put this? So there is this... Uh, 
this uh, perk, can we call it that, a thing, a hookup that you're trying to get or were trying to get yes. from someone? Well, it's, I'm still in the process of trying to get. Like, it might be somewhat settled but until it's in my hand. I, I hate to be so vague as we talk about this, but there was, there was this sort of small hookup that Sarah was trying to get from somebody. And that you felt you were being uh, slighted on. And so Sarah, during the ten minutes leading up to today's program, was just constructing the most brilliantly and beautifully uh, passive-aggressive letter to this person, this email. I don't say who it was. But Sarah was constructing just the most the most phenomenally passive uh, lean in this email, where she was just putting all of her weight on this guy to give her this hookup that she felt she needed. And, I mean, it really was just the most smilingly, dazzlingly polite letter that at the same time was just sort of a big knee to the groin about giving you that thing. So, I, I, I we shouldn't even talk about this because we yeah, can't really discuss what it is. Yeah, we're going to keep it separate from what we're going to have to talk about. Uh, yeah. But anyway, yeah. Anyway, so, there you go. So, I live um, below a roller derby girl. I think she was roller skating around it. Like I thought you o'clock. live below a crackhead. No, that's an... I, I have, like, a, the bottom floor of an apartment, so there are a few apartments above me. One of them is a crackhead. Uh-huh. The other one's a roller derby girl who's super rad. Are you creating fictitious apartments in this story <laughs> to try to separate uh, the people? No, the, no, no, no. I'm not at all. No, the uh-huh. roller derby girl, she's very cool. She's older, has a daughter who's just going to college. Really nice girl. But I think she was roller skating at like 5 o'clock this morning, and I couldn't sleep. She has a daughter who's going to college, yet she herself is a roller derby girl? Seriously, she's 40, How old is she? She's 41. Doesn't look it. I okay. thought she was my age when I met her. And really? she's like, oh, and my daughter. I'm like, oh, where is the Were little you one? Were how smooth her face was? I was. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> I really was. So you're a little loopy today. Is the, uh, is I the am a little tired. I have to say I'm a little tired. And I think Cracky McGee was at it again last night, too. As soon as I got woken up from the roller skating, and I heard some thumping, and the door kept opening and shutting. I'm like, oh. Did you hear the sounds of a... crack at 7 o'clock in the morning? Well, I mean, some... Look at it. I can never sleep. So someday that you ban ain't doing the trick. Here's the sound of a water pipe and a guy clawing off his own skin. Fantastic. It's going to be a great day. I just, I don't understand, like, does crack make you run around your apartment? I don't know. I would the imagine it does. apartment isn't that big, and I just, it's just constant walking. I don't know. I really, you know, I actually don't know the answer to this. If you smoke crack and would like to answer this question, the phone number is 503-733-2970. Much that's, appreciated. That's an interesting question, actually. If you smoke crack... Do you become tremendously productive? Well, because his apartment's really dirty. So, I mean, he doesn't seem productive in the sense that he's cleaning, so I don't really know what he's doing in there. So it doesn't cleaning? really motivate you to do anything? I would think that if Crack gave you, as Jared Leto would say in Requiem for Dream, lots of pep, uh, that you'd be doing something with it. I mean, what's the point of taking a stimulant if you're just going to sit in the corner and then <laughs> sit in the corner and grind your teeth down to stubs? Sit in the corner and grind your teeth into a powder. All right. Well, we'll figure it out. Uh, yeah. Of course, it's a fantastic day because we are today joined by Tim Riley back from vacation. Yay! Tim Riley. Yes. How are you? No, I'm fine. I'm happy to be home. <laughs> how is uh, How is California? I to know about the vacation now. I wasn't allowed to ask. Tim came up. Well, here's the only reason. I wanted you to hear this fresh because it was fantastic what he told me. So I'm sitting upstairs today, and Tim walks by because he's dropping off a package at the front for Dave to mail out. And he stopped in, and, and I said, hey, I was well, actually, it was the wrong package. The package was supposed to be mailed. Oh, yeah. It's a, it a whole long thing. Um, and so so Tim stops into my office, and the first words out of my mouth is, I am so glad to be back in Portland, Oregon. Because it was, because it was, it was, what, 100 and, well, it was 116 where Roop was. It's 108 in the valley today. <laughs> it was, it was 100-something in San Diego. <laughs> where you're never supposed to need an air conditioner, of course. 
I rented a hotel room with them in there. No, because why would you? Because you've got that. It's got the balmy sea breeze coming in. Yeah. That's the thing that when they when I moved to San Diego, that is the lie they told me. By the way, mm-hmm. like you know, because like in Arizona, you know, you obviously there's no such thing as a house without an air conditioner. Florida, there's no such thing as a house without an air conditioner. In San Diego. Probably half the houses don't have air conditioning. It'd be the stores they, don't, and they have the stores with the doors open. If you think it's a, it's hot outside, wait till you get inside. <laughs> and they always, they always say, well, no, you get that nice breeze coming in off the Pacific, and you're not really going to find that you need an air conditioner here. And make sure you sizzle a little bit more shopping at the Horton Plaza. <laughs> oh man, the Horton Plaza, which is, if you have not been to the Horton Plaza, it's San a Diego, mall without walls. It is a mall. And ceilings. It is an, it is an open roofed and open wall. It's 500 mall. degrees there. <laughs> and, and there People giving people massages while they're melting on massage tables. The Horton Plaza is a mall that has huge sections of it have no ceiling. Uh, it is an open-air mall, basically. Meanwhile, there are millions of people protesting a statue of Pete Wilson that somebody put right at the beginning of this place. A place that's like a third Latino population with a statue of Pete Wilson. The most unappreciated. And these people are protesting. It's 200 degrees outside. So I go back to my hotel room. It's fantastic. This place reeks. <laughs> I'm lying. I've, I've changed about three times. And lucky I brought extra clothes with me. So I can smell the smells of every person who's ever stayed in this room going back to 1924. Now, I hope if I can say this, you made the most disgusting observation this morning. Tim was noting that his hotel room room did not have uh, air conditioning. It had one tiny impotent ceiling fan. It was an old YMCA built built for the sailors back in 1924. And and they spent $2 million refurbishing this place without air conditioning. (laughs) And then it's just this fan. Sort of, I can just picture it too, just fluttering lazily in the breeze, all Mosquito Coast style, desperately trying to stir up the hot air. In the meantime, there are people fighting in the streets under my window. You can hear the train was from the train station two blocks away every not just I mean old time uh, train whistles yeah in the middle of the night and I'm sitting there I mean sweltering <laughs> watching an interview with with Peter Hitchens on book notes <laughs> not wanting to leave my hotel room and so the so the most hideous observation that Tim made this morning he was noting that when it is that hot and you're la- and this has happened to me too where you're laying on the mattress or on the bed especially mm. if it's at a hotel and you're sweating. And the heat and the sweat combined bring out the odor of every the person who has ever slept on that bed. All the smoke. Oh. Every every cigarette that has ever been burned in that room. Every every drop of sweat from someone else that All has ever... All the sailors who have stayed in this room since 1924. <laughs> and I am stuck here for another two days. All, all of their bodily odors and excretions just come right back out oh of the bed like God. a detoxing smoker. And, and where do I find the, the fabled San Diego weather? In Portland, Oregon. Yeah. After I get home after I'm gone for four days. You missed it. Well, Yesterday you... was miserable. Oh, it, it was more miserable in California. <laughs> you missed the, uh, it looks like you left San Diego then just before the riot. Yeah. There was a riot at Pacific Beach yesterday. Right, it was like right around the corner from where I was staying. Fantastic. Wonderful. Okay, then. Excellent. So that was a, a wonderful California holiday. <laughs> <laughs> it really is the perfect California holiday when you really think about it. Just sweltering heat and you're miserable and people are shooting each other and protesting. I mean, it kind of is California sort of encapsulated. California in a nutshell. That's wonderful. <sighs> okay, fantastic. Well, we're glad to have you back. Scotty, uh, I am glad to be home. How does Scotty do? Anyway, we're glad you're back. And uh, we missed you. No, we missed you very, I, I'm very happy much. To be, I've never been happy to be home. <laughs> you know, I, 
But you get a week of Scotty goodness all to yourself when Rick that's and I are true. gone. That's right. When Sarah and I are gone, it'll just be you and Scotty in this room. Oh, that's we're going to have to plan our activity. Oh, by the way, today... The uh, McCa- the uh, the tube is on strike in London today. Oh, I know. So Susan Reynolds couldn't wait to tell me that this morning. <laughs> Susan Reynolds came into my office. Susan came in. She's like, hey, did you it's hear it's there's a tube strike in London? And yeah, it's, it's supposed to be over three days, though. <gasps> yeah. Well, oh, I mean, I'm man, not... you are so hosed. I'm not going for like ten days, but I mean, hopefully it'll be done by then. I'm going to dream vacation to California. Well, here's a d- well, here's a dumb question. In London, I mean, they have like taxi services. Well, I'm sure it's expensive, but I mean, they have. They do. They're also the gypsy cabs that and, you can take. The mini cabs. So, I mean, you know what? This whole j- expensive. Yeah, you know what? This whole trip is costing me so much goddamn money is anyway. Fun. You can drink on the tube. I don't yeah. care. And you can drink on the buses. Really? And you can drink yeah. in the cab. I was just so anywhere. <laughs> okay. Sign me up. You can drink while you're shopping in a store. Is that true in London, really? In London, yeah. yeah you but they just... stop selling it like midnight. No, I walked into H&M the and the wine have... bars are open later. Yeah, but you can buy you can buy beer and drink at any time. Fantastic. All right. I don't think I did the headline. No. Oh yeah. Well, I'm sorry. What do you? What is Tim Riley working on today? The list is vast and endless. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you missed a lot. I know. I'm, I'm gonna have to try to catch up. So I, I don't know. See, I didn't bring my laptop with me because you can only have one carry-on. And usually, I bring my carry-on bag to fill it up with stuff. So I I couldn't listen online. No, it's uh, so well, bring my laptop. We did. Uh, we talked about the Larry Craig thing, which is the one big story. And then, but you know what? We did not. For all of our discussion about it before the show yesterday. Yesterday, you know what we did not talk about, Sarah? Was the Anna Nicole thing. For oh. all of our discussing, so that has not been brought up on the show. We were the first to bring it up. We, yeah. Yes, uh, we were. Thank you, Seamus. That was, so. it was an act of brilliance. That was predictable. What is going on with the monobed today? I don't know. I don't okay. Know. It's nice and cool in here. I don't care. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I was going to say, as long as it's not 116, it doesn't, <laughs> it smell, really like, doesn't. doesn't smell like the excretions of a, of a sailor from 1932. Somebody coming back from the OG man. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody who's been out shopping halibut all day. Now I will just lay down on the bed without clothing. All right. Fantastic. Well, anyway, let's talk about things close to home. I was homesick once I got down there. California is great for a couple days because it is a hotel California. You can check up on Everly. Uh, ben Man is charged with leaving his two-year-old daughter in a sweltering car in Reno while visiting a house of ill repute. Two teenagers are charged with throwing golf balls from an overpass. A fishing boat sinks off the Washington coast. A state woman dr- dr- drowns in her inner tomb. A man is found dead in a tent on the coast. That killer heat wave continues to uh, Bay California. We'll hear Jerry Lewis sing. Been, we're done with the uh, Diana death watch, I think. that. Oh, we didn't even talk about it. Well, I don't even think we hit on it. Well, it's a celebration of her death. Anyway, it's over with. Now, now it's the uh, the Crocodile Hunter's death. So oh, yeah. And Bindi I Irwin mean... is going to make some... Remember little really? Bindi? Really? Yeah, Creepy gonna... little cyborg Bindi Irwin? <laughs> Bindi Irwin is going to stop by. And, uh, oh, you can tell this is a, a day after the holiday story. Exhaustive research indicates guys prefer hunt women. <laughs> that's like, that's that's right next to the, uh, I printed out a bunch of news that I forgot to bring in the front. That's right next to the story that was on the front page of Yahoo today that said, rock stars don't live as long as everyone else. I swear to God, that was like the lead story at Yahoo.com today. And, uh, let's see. Oh, well, here uh, Jerry Lewis sing. Fantastic. All right, so... Yes, there is. I have this now uh, from Don, who just sent this to me. This is just, just so everybody can start calling about this. As Don and Mike would say, here's a here's a bunch of things we already know about today. So we already know about the Anna Nicole story. We will be talking about that here in a short while. And I don't know if you've read the same version of the story that I read, but it did it did contain one particularly uh, salient detail. Um, oh. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah. that's exactly that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And then we have this. This says, Rick, I almost wet myself reading this after your discussion the other day about Jerry Lewis and the telethon. So... Apparently, then, uh, Jerry Lewis, who is, who is 81, I'm not saying he's on drugs most of the time, but apparently, I don't even, I, I don't even, I don't even know how to address this. Um, apparently, it, Jerry Lewis was a little out of it last night, and um, referred to someone with a uh, a derogatory slur uh, for homosexual. Live on the uh, live on the Somebody NBA telephone. I don't know. Oh, yeah, a cameraman. He introduced a cameraman. Okay, well, we'll talk I'm going to have that. to go look for it. I, yeah, we'll, we'll look. Apparently, it's on TMZ. There may, be, there may be video or audio of this. So we'll find it. Uh, we'll find it later. All right. Uh, well, we got some calls coming in and uh, other things to get to. And that, God, we're already, it's 20 minutes after. You know, yesterday was really a, a well-put-together program. Today is that day where all the wheels on the car feel a little wobbly. Uh, and then, well, then Scotty got here late, of course, because and he has a valid point about this. I don't know what it is about the first day of school that causes traffic to be snarled everywhere. And I'm not talking about the, 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 the traffic and people taking their children to school. Um, if this is because I wonder why the traffic was so bad today. And I got here, and Susan and Scotty both pointed out that today's the first day of school, which is not a thing I would ever know because none of us have any kids. Um, but, man, the traffic was just backed up everywhere. So, anyway, so children back in school uh, as of uh, as of today. Yet another yet another small stick of, uh, of debt to add onto the uh, to add onto the huge financial uh, trundle already on your back, Scotty. Uh, let's see. Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hi, Rick. Uh, let me be the second person uh, to ask. F- didn't now? Haven't we restricted you to calling once a week? This is George, correct? Yeah, but you know that was off the books yesterday. Why? Because it was a holiday. One yes. big fiesta for illegal aliens and almost fine. All right, make it good. Make let me it count. be. The, let me be the second person to f Scott J with a big spiny zero cash down fifty year adjustable rate mortgage six hundred k. All right, thank Th- you. Thank you. All right, bye now. Oh yeah, we didn't get a chance to talk about this today. If you did not hear yesterday's program, on yesterday's Rick Emerson program, which is uh, yesterday Monday Labor Day, it was revealed that. Scotty's new house, he said this on the air yesterday, after we sort of pressed him on it, and I think he was, I think it was sort of a passive bragging, because I was sort of talking in vague uh, terms about Scotty's new house that he's moved into, because he was bitching and moaning, and I, said, I, have to, I have to move all my stuff, and I have to pack things into boxes, and I was pointing out, like, you, you lay like 300 grand down for a house, why won't you spend $1,200 to have some guys come and move your stuff? And Scotty sort of snorted when I said 300 grand on the house. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, why do you think I only paid 300 grand for my house? And we asked him how much he paid. Jim, do you know how much Scotty spent on his house? Uh, roughly, yes. Scotty, and he revealed this yesterday, Scotty spent $600,000 on his new house. It's worth it, though. It's a nice neighborhood. How does he even have $600,000? He doesn't. No one does. So he has it the same way everybody else in America has that kind of money. He's just going to be in debt. So between the yeah, house, but it's a good kind of debt because the house will continue to go up in value, and you can flip it and make money on it. Well, he can't even sell the house he just left. I mean, it's, oh, give him time. I'm just saying, radio people seem to have kind of a bad uh, track record when it comes to being able to unload the last house while moving into a new one. There does seem to be some special curse. On radio, people. Tom Lattis, Wild, Ed Till. Well, maybe. I mean, that's... and I'm among them. So Tim Riley has made a success of that, but I think you might be the exception that proves that rule. And I have a nice new front of my house ever since the tenant drove through it. <laughs> ever since that lady was nice enough to drive through the front of your home. 
Oh, all right. Um, well, it's 24 after, so we'll have to break here in a second. We've got uh, Lisa Goddard coming up. Let me just get a couple emails, and then we'll do that. Oh, by the way, has anybody gone to that, uh, the you know that uh, that laundromat that's across the street? Laundromat? Why would I bring my laundry to work? Well, I didn't know there was a laundromat. There's a laundromat across the street right by the plaid. You know that place over there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't know there was a laundromat. That place that has in big letters in the front window, we do laundry by the pound. So I have decided to, to, because if you go to my home, I have this, Lara gave me just like three simple tasks to do while she was gone because she's in Italy right now. And one of them was, please do the laundry. And I don't know if you've ever done this with your own home and clothing and possessions, where the laundry, the dirty laundry just gets to be so massive and just so far-reaching that it does at some point just seem simpler to burn all the clothes you own and just start from scratch. You know what I mean? It's like when you get a sufficiently high number of dirty dishes that you just want to throw away all of your dishes and buy new stuff. That's how it is with my clothing. There is so much dirty laundry in my house now that I just... Like, it just sort of frightens and depresses me. I just don't, I wouldn't even know where to start. So, I saw this sign across the street that they are now doing laundry by the pound. And so I walked into this morning, and I talked to the woman. I said, is it true you do laundry by the pound? She goes, yes, we do laundry by the pound. And I said, okay, now, is there a limit on how many pounds of laundry you will take at once? She said, she said, no. And I said, well, how much is it? And she said, well, it's $2 a pound. And I said, okay, I'll be back. And so I have... Now, is that a pound wet or dry? No, it's a pound dry, I would imagine. Because how would you... Because otherwise, how would you, you make know? a lot of money if they were no. <laughs> Is that a pound wet and filled with rocks? <laughs> is that a pound filled with bags of lead? So she said there was no... And I think she may regret saying this because she told me that there was no pound limit on the amount of laundry. And I also... Here's the other question I asked. This is the other key question for the laundromat woman this morning. I said... So is there a pound limit, and do I have to pre-sort this clothing? And she seemed a little confused by that question. She didn't speak like the best English. And I said, I said, you know, do I have to put... And here's an awkward moment. So I'm talking to the woman who is not originally from this country. She is... She's a waiter. Um, and so I'm talking to her, and I said, so do I have to sort the clothing? And she didn't seem to know what I was talking about. And she goes, sort? And, I, and the most awkward phrase came out of my mouth. I said, you know... Do I have to separate the whites and the coloreds? <laughs> and, and there was just this long pause. And I and then I you know and I and then I did that thing of like trying to suck the words back into my mouth and I'm like you know did, and just desperately trying to pull the phrase and wishing there was a dump button somewhere that I could hit. Um, and so then I said you know the, the colored clothing over here and the white clothing you know so it doesn't bleed. and then I just sort of shut up and just stared at her blankly and she finally figured it out she goes no 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 I'll just put it in one bag so. Anyway, so I have, no no joke, there are two levels at our house. There's the basement, and then there's the upstairs where we sort of put the, you know, put, put the dirty laundry. Just the upstairs uh, laundry put into sort of large plastic trash bags. I'm now at 12 trash bags. And, I mean, that's only one level you of my house. You have that many clothes? Yes, I do, Sarah. All of it dirty. How can we always wear the same thing, then? Because I've only because it's easier just to wash two or three items of clothing at a time and just wear that. You know what I mean? So it's sort of like how a guy living by himself, even if it's just for a couple of weeks, like now. You know, while Lara's gone right now, you know, the kitchen is spotless. You know why? Because I have one plate, one fork, one spoon, one knife, one glass. That's it. Bam. Done. That and a roll of paper towels, and I am ready to go. So, anyway, so I now have 12 large plastic trash bags full of clothing. And so this woman, who, God love her, who has said that there is no limit on how much laundry you can bring in, she has no idea that, that, that what she hath wrought on herself. She has no idea what hell is coming her way. So it's just going to be hundreds, probably, of pounds of laundry that is just completely soiled and not sorted at all. So 
Have fun with that. Uh, all right. Uh, do I need to take this for the break? All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Hey, I was calling about the laundry by the pound. Hey, yes, sir. Greatest thing ever. I work so I never have to do my laundry again. Now, is that now? Do you take it to a pound, by the pound place? Absolutely. And I would I would drop it off there before Monday night football. I would go back at halftime of Monday night football. It was all folded for me. The stuff on hangers was put on there. Now, see, it was let me the greatest adventure ever. And, uh, now, when you take it, when you. We're now discussing laundry in the air. When you take uh, your clothing to a buy-the-pound laundry place, now, if I just give her a bag of, of laundry that is like T-shirts and then in there also some button-down shirts, do they just, I mean, do they know not to just wash everything in like the hottest possible? In other words, you know what I mean? If, I, if it's two things that have to be washed sort of differently, do they know that, do you suppose? Absolutely, absolutely, and I don't know the magic behind it because it's all foreign to me, but they seem to know this, and it's just a mystical thing to me, but it all comes out on hangers and folded, and it's... I, I don't actually have to fold my own laundry. That is fantastic. It really that is that's the greatest thing ever. All right, yeah. fan, well, and, I, and it makes it so funny that as soon as your wife leaves town, all of a sudden you're taking your laundry someplace else and you have bags of laundry. I, I'd hate to see your kitchen. Is it just Totino's pizza boxes? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. And and fruit flies. All right. Thank you. Bye now. All right. Uh, we got it. Okay. Yeah, we've got it. Yeah, Lisa's calling like nine minutes early. No offense, we we love Lisa and all, but uh, Scotty, can you? Yeah, I don't want to have her have to wait. Can we take her? Can we take her after the break? Is that possible? Because uh, I admire her for being a go-getter and all, but this is uh, yeah, it's like way way early here. I'll just sit here and stare blankly at the screen, talking to myself for no reason. Killing time. Really? She claimed, Lisa claimed she was told 11.30. Nope, I, you heard me. I said 11.35. That's, that's funny, because it says right here on the page, 11.35, and I know that's what Sarah told the person. We're not blaming Lisa for this, of course. I'm sorry. I apologize to everybody for this little uh, behind-the-curtain moment here. I just, I just well, need to know. Why don't we just take Lisa now, then we'll take our break after her and then come back. Well, because I, I because I don't want to have to do like a four minute segment. So Scotty, is she able to hold, or do we have to take her? Okay, so we'll take a break. We'll come back, Lisa, right after this. So uh, don't go anywhere. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. Lisa Goddard. Beat his ass. Don't touch me. <laughs> There you go. Well, that was a gripping first half hour. Me forgetting how to speak and then talking about my laundry for 10 minutes. I can't wait to have clean laundry, though. Really. You don't even know. Can right, we done. just leave that done. first segment? Done now. Bored now. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Coming up later, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Uh, also, Amanda Moyer. Today's top five. Top five songs about the children. Uh, and uh, Tim Riley's new news hour. Ladies and gentlemen, from the hill, CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, Lisa Goddard. Why, hello, and how are you on this fine Tuesday? Hi, how are you? I am dandy. Hey, my apologies for any miscommunication. Were you told 1130? Oh, geez, come on. I mean, there's bigger problems in the world. Yeah. I'm assuming, no, 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 I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, you know, whatever, and I'm not trying to pick a fight. I just, I always like to know uh, with anybody at CNN, I always like to know where the miscommunication happens so that we can try to address these things in the future. 
Apparently, uh, some of us are able to read clocks. Some of us aren't. That's okay. Don't worry about it. I'm not going to dwell. Rick Emerson is going to be the bigger man. He's going to move on from this, Lisa. All right. How was your weekend? How were, were you doing something? This, were you moving or doing a thing? This I, 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 I am moving, moving and painting. I am. I am just a big paint ball right now. I've got uh, white and red paint all over me. Uh, yeah. So you're kind of a, you're kind of doing your. You're like a female Ty Pennington today. But maybe, maybe. I don't know. My hair doesn't quite do that, what his does. But, yes, exactly. And, in fact, we did try sort of one of those uh, trading spaces-esque paint projects on one wall, and it's and we're still deciding. We're kind of – it's one of those things we look at and we're like, huh, <laughs> we just don't know if that was a good plan. We're not – it might have been, it might be really cool or it just might be a disaster. We're, we're not sure yet. Let me say, you really uh, you really do have – no offense, just sort of that – you have just a, the slight scrapiness in your voice today as though you spent a long time, like, sweating and inhaling latex fumes. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Yeah, and you can picture – I mean, it was one of those – you know, we had to keep moving. Like, basically, we're sleeping on the mattress on the floor next to the half-empty Pepsi bottle. Uh, you know, you know what I mean? Ah, uh, like, young love. You've got, like, a pack of bologna in the fridge, and that's it. <laughs> you know, let, let, that is literally what is in our fridge right now. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, that's wonderful. I'll put off, I'll put off my uh, my visit to the Sporward House for a while then. I think you can. I think you can. I, uh, and painting is one of those things that is uniquely exhausting. Uh, there, for some reason, I mean, it doesn't really seem like it would be all that taxing on your body. You know, it would, it would be all that stressful, physically speaking. But painting is one of those things where, man, you spend two or three days. Like, if you spend two or three days, like, hauling firewood or something, I guess you can sort of understand why you'll just have this sort of all-over body fatigue. Like, you just want to go crawl into a hole and die. Painting doesn't really seem like it ought to take that heavy of a toll on your body, but at the end of a weekend painting, you feel like your arms have been dipped in, in kerosene and set on fire. Yes, yeah, and there's, you know, I have a muscle there, you know, like in your back, there's muscles. That you're like, how? Why is that muscle upset? You know, it makes no sense that that muscle is like screaming in pain. It has nothing to do with, but apparently that's how it goes. Do you ever find that you somehow have irritated a muscle you actually didn't even know you had? Yes, like, that's, that's pretty much where I am. Some some muscle whose existence was heretofore unknown to you, uh, and, 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 and you know, but then it just sort of leaps into into stark relief, as they say. All right, uh, well. All I, let me just address these things one at a time. Okay, great. Done. A, uh, so Larry Craig gone, daddy gone. B. <laughs> Daddy's gone. Daddy's gone, kids. He, did you see that? I have to sidetrack here. Did you see that statement from Larry Craig's uh, son where he said that they spent a long uh, sort of weekend grilling their dad about the bathroom behavior? And then I know that families do what families do and that, you know, uh, sort of doing time on Maple Drive style, children have just an amazing capacity for self-delusion. But, boy, just the just the waves of self-denial that come off that family. I mean, it's it, you can't it, – they can't even be calculated. They're so big. But it's really, it, 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 I mean, they're sticking by their dad. They're sticking by them. They're, they're de- but these are grown children. I mean, these aren't like 17, 25-year-old. These are kids who have kids. And they, but and the weird thing is, is that the thing I got from that statement is three days of incredible awkwardness. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, we were asking him specifics about exactly, you know, what sexual means to him. Oh, like, imagine oh. having that conversation with your dad. <laughs> dad, uh, look, if you were going to pick up another man at a bathroom stall, how how would you do right. it? Just so we know the difference. And, and not just any 
dad. It's Larry Craig. So it's all the more awkward. And you're you know, in Idaho. It seems like he would not be able to have that conversation. No. No, I think it's actually illegal to even talk about sex in Idaho. I think <laughs> if you actually even use the word penis uh, in Idaho, they take you out back and they shoot you. The, also this, I found it interesting that every news outlet on earth felt compelled to note in the second sentence of every article about Larry Craig this weekend that all his children are adopted. They, Everybody felt the need to roll that out somehow. Yes, it's true. But you know, it was not in the AP article that came out this morning about their appearance on uh, the Good Morning America. It did not mention they were adopted at all in that story. Well, they, maybe there's some pushback. They're all either. They're all either. I uh, thank you for not saying blowback. They're all either adopted or from, I guess, his wife's first marriage or something right. like that. Anyway, so he's so he's done. Um, the second thing is that uh, so President Bush is in the is or was in Iraq, um, and he says that. Let me understand. Let me make sure I phrase this correctly. George Bush said that he has been told by by U.S. officials in Iraq that if the present quote success level continues, that we'll be able to do a drawdown. Right? Is that? Am I phrasing this correctly? Right. He does. He says if this if this it's not that if um, if this rate of success continues if we if we keep making the progress that he's seeing. So if we keep things get better and better, then he thinks, yes, there will be room for a drawdown. And it is interesting the way that if you, you sort of Jesuit-style kind of parse that sentence, where they say the current rate of success or the current success rate. So it's not success as such. It is sort right. of the small strides toward attaining some <laughs> level of success. Marginal, the economists out there, the marginal rate of success. Exactly. And so, <laughs> right. I mean, have they ever established, and if they have established, and have they ever made public exactly what the benchmarks for this are? I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't want to sound just reflexively cynical. I mean, what is it that we're supposed to be? Are we waiting to see, like, when a baby gap or something opens there? Right. When is it? We're, <laughs> what is it we're supposed to be watching for in Iraq? Right. Although you should put that, you should float that suggestion here in D.C. But I, I think that. Uh, that, that we know there are 18 benchmarks. The, the thing is, though, are these 18 benchmarks really how people are going to judge Iraq, or are these just kind of some, some a go? Like, is this sort of the equivalent of, of using uh, the American yardstick? You know, anywhere else around the world where they use a metric stick, it's hard to say. But we do know what those 18 are, and in fact, at this moment, there is a hearing going on where the Government Accountability Office is presenting its report on whether or not Iraq has met those 18 benchmarks. And their conclusion is that Iraq has met three, that another four of them are partially met, uh, and that 11 are not not at all met. And those benchmarks, I can read through all 18 for you, but they basically have to do with setting up setting up key laws either passing a key law or set, even even some of them are setting up a committee to come up with uh major constitutional revisions and and they haven't met that necessarily they've only they've only gone part of the way uh, a lot of them have to do with security setting up uh specifically three brigades to support uh things and support Baghdad operations that is partially met but a number of these security goals have not been met. This also includes, we talk a lot about the oil sharing law. Has Iraq passed a law over how it is going to use and divvy up its oil money? No, that hasn't been passed. How about local elections? Has Iraq set up a plan for local elections? No, hasn't done that. It's a lot of those nitty-gritty how you get government off the ground types of things, money, security, and government. Those three areas are what's basically covered in these benchmarks. So here's a question, and maybe this has been discussed in the past, and I'm just a nitwit and don't follow things enough. Is, when, whenever they get this, this government rolling in Iraq, where they are actually sort of governing themselves, and we don't have to be there with our hand on the tiller constantly, is it going to be 
uh, some, um, is it going to be a theocracy? Is it going to be some government that institutes laws based on, uh, on Islam? We don't know, but it certainly, it certainly will be a government more influenced overtly by religion, I think, than ours. Of course, our leaders are, are very open. Our Christian leaders are very open in professing their faith and referring to their faith and how faith influences them. But I think that it will be, the, the government will be more toward a theocracy. It probably won't be uh, like Iran, where it is actually religious leaders who, who run the country. But it, it will be closer to that than the American government. But, you know, I think the issue here right now is that we're seeing the country, we're seeing little safety zones emerge as different militias, different groups shore up their areas. And in some sense, that's good because those groups, are, a lot of them are Sunni groups in one area, are fighting al-Qaeda. That's good for the U.S. But on the other hand, these militias are starting to fight each other, even within sects, like the Shia militias in Basra and southern Iraq are all vying for power against each other. So you're going to hear people say, look, we're, we're starting to see small governments form. Local, local areas are taking control themselves and trying to form their own uh, legislation and, and take care of their own business. But there is a danger in that that it's not local government like we see it. it it's really sort of little... Um, I don't want to say kingdoms, but it could divide Iraq into these very, these small zones, and and there is concern there that these militias will it'll just be uh, zones of militias and tribal influence rather than having any kind of central cohesion. Uh, before we uh, conclude this, uh, you brought up an interesting question. What is the difference between a kingdom and a fiefdom? And is a fiefdom a real thing, or is that just some sort of colloquial phrase that means nothing? I believe a fiefdom is less organized than a kingdom. I don't really know the answer, but it's... I believe that you you go. I think fiefdom is the way toward kingdom. I think there were there were fiefdoms before there were kingdoms. There were little small fiefdoms. That's a phrase I'm going to start working on my daily conversation. I'm going to start referring to the AM 970 fiefdom. Wow, I like that. I'm going to, I'm going to, decree, I'm going to decree that I am its leader. All right, excellent, fantastic. I had something else I was going to ask you, but you know what? It, it's just it, it's a whole wash of activity today. We're all it's all very confusing and puzzling here at, at the studio. We're just doing we're just <laughs> up to our eyebrows and things to get caught up on. So I'm trying to think what else is going on here. Yeah, Congress is back. That's the whole thing. It's going to be going to be a long couple of months, and you know it does look like they uh, they may not leave exactly on time for winter break. In fact, there are still concerns about here it comes. Government shutdown. <laughs> Fantastic. Excellent. Have That's wonderful. That little, little Hershey's kiss on your pillow. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. All right. Lisa Goddard, as always, enjoy your day. We will talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, Lisa Goddard, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. A Hershey's kiss on the pillow. All right. Well done. Uh, let's see. So coming up here in a few minutes, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Amanda Moyer. Somebody says, uh, Rick, has Sarah heard about the latest Britney meltdown? You told me about this, but I hadn't seen it. That apparently... Apparently her eyes are two different colors now. Yeah, I put that on my blog last week. Why is she wearing like one contact lens? She's wearing. Well, there are a series of pictures of her. Well, first of all, she went out of the house without any pants on. Of course. She's wearing like one of those, you know, like hip now, like moo moo tank top things. It's not hip. It's not hip. It's never so been so bad. Hip. It's not even. It, you can tell it's not supposed to be a dress. It's actually a shirt. <laughs> and she's walking around with her ass hanging out. And then <laughs> Look at my of, cheeks. And she lost one of her contacts, so she's walking around yeah. with one blue eye and one brown eye. That's wonderful. And it's and when you say that she's walking around with her ass hanging out, first it's of all, it's literally her ass hanging out. <laughs> if you look on my blog, I have that picture. Okay, I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at these. Oh, okay. I think these I think these are the same pictures you've got. This is the yep. Yeah, they are. This is these are from is from X17, um, and she's wearing this sort of. The goddamn, she's just become a really un. You know, I don't think we can ever view her as attractive again. 
I don't think so. I think that this is the image of Britney. This sort of era of Britney, this is the one that's going to be stuck in our head forever. I don't know that we're ever again going to be able to view her as attractive. I think we've just, you know what it is? I think we've just seen the man behind the curtain one one too many times. Uh-huh. Not like seeing the man on the boat. We've seen the man in the curtain, behind the curtain, one too many times here. Because I'm looking and, it's, I mean, it's not like she's fat, but I mean, in terms of in terms of celebrity body type, uh, she is certainly heavy in these photos. Uh, she's got, I mean, the bad skin and the terror. I mean, I know that I sound like Mr. Blackwell when I start talking like this because of the terrible extensions going on. And then you're right, she's wearing this thing, this weird, I, I, I mean... it. It really is like she's wearing some sort of a bad uh, lampshade from the 70s. And then there's the awkward shot of her from be- from behind. I mean, is she wearing underwear? She's wearing underwear. I, I want to see. I haven't looked at the I can't really. Uh, there's the shot of her from from behind where she was. She is wearing what looks like uh, like the fabric and design of some sort of potholder. And it, it, it's a really unattractive shirt to be honest. And she's wearing the same stinky brown boots yeah. that she's been wearing yeah. for like a year now. But here's the thing: between the top of the boot and the bottom of the shirt, there's nothing. I mean, there's nothing. And the bottom of the shirt is about two inches above her ass cheek. The bottom of the like shirt the is to the to the cheek. middle of the buttock. Um, it's just all kinds of unpleasant. I mean, it's just and. And I don't mean to, to sound crude. I'm just speaking of her in in a generalized, all-over sense. When I'm looking at Britney Spears now, it just looks like she smells. That's all I'm saying. She just looks like she probably isn't getting a good regular sponging. You know what I mean? She, oh, and just thinking all that fake hair she has attached to her little stubs of hair. Fake hair, no underwear, doesn't ever change uh, those boots that she's got on. And you know there's nothing between her feet and those boots. Oh. So... And, of course, she's in California where it's 116 degrees. I'm just saying, I, I think if you probably were to get, like, downwind from her a good two, three, four, five hundred yards away, you'd you'd know she was coming towards you. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show on that unpleasant note. CNN Radio correspondent Amanda Moyer joining us now from the CNN Radio Center in Atlanta. Hello, Amanda. How are you today? Hello. I'm well. How are you today? Well, you know, I'm not in California, uh, which is good because I was. We were. T- I know that uh, that Roop is uh, down with you guys today. Jim Roop is in uh, is in Atlanta, or he's going to be in Atlanta today. Yes. We were talking to him yesterday, and this is our uh, news director Tim Riley just got back from vacation. He was in California as well. We had the greatest live shot with Jim Roop yesterday, where we. we Picked up the phone, we put him on the air, we said, hey, Jim, how are you, what's up? And he said, it's 116 degrees and I'm in a small room with no air conditioning. How are you? And that was it. It was like Jim and a small glass of warm water just sitting in a room just sweating to death. Like one of those old things you'd see in a gym in the 1950s where the guy would just get into a sweat box and you would just see his head poking up above there. And he would just just be in one of those things trying to sweat it off. So, except it wasn't voluntary. So, as long as I am not in Los Angeles, it's fine. And it's not 116 where you are, undoubtedly. No, I was just going to say, for once, it's hotter there than it is here in Atlanta. It's probably about 85 degrees or so in Atlanta. It's actually been not so bad, not as muggy. I really don't even know that there's global warming going on as such. Sort of, there just sort of seems to be random uh, warming going on. You know, because it just seems to be unseasonably weird. I think that's what it is. I don't. I'm no longer even going to say that it's unseasonably hot or cold. We are going through a period of unseasonal weirdness. Well, that's so. true. We've seen a lot of weird weather patterns too. Whether it's fires, extreme heat, uh, hurricanes, too. Category 5 is coming in within a couple of weeks, so 
lots of interesting weather patterns. Hey, I typically don't talk about stuff like this, uh, but we have had this ongoing discussion on the air about the television show Mad Men, uh, which currently airs on AMC on Thursday nights, which is a great television program. That coming on the heels of Good Night and Good Luck, uh, the Edward R. Murrow uh, biopic or biopic, uh, which came out a couple years ago, and both of those were known and they were very. It was very commented on. They, they, they were very notable for the amount of smoking that took place, and so I know that it has been a constant claim and canard from the MPAA uh, that smoking in movies is bad and makes kids smoke and whatever. And I know that there's actually been some sort of noise from the Motion Picture Association that they've been trying to rate things R or sometimes above because they contain scenes of smoking. And I guess was it there's some, so there's actually some whether there's some study or some survey that came out where they're saying now that if you that if kids are seen smoking in movies that they decide that it's the hepcat thing to do and they they start lighting up. That's pretty much what it is. This uh, doctor James Sargent out of Dartmouth Medical School um, over a couple of years they surveyed about almost 6,000 kids aged 10 to 14 and they asked them about their smoking and movie watching habits and when they first did the study 90% said they hadn't smoked. Then they went through this uh, elaborate process of uh, coding smoking scenes in 500 some hit movies created an exposure formula and then they followed these kids for several years and then what happens is 125 of those surveyed had become established smokers, which is different from other surveys because they said that they had smoked more than 100 cigarettes by that time. So a little bit of an interesting uh, correlation there. Here's the thing, and this is my observation about this. I mean, I think that there, we mishandle smoking in America in a couple different ways. A, we mishandle smoking the same way that we mishandle uh, you know, talking to children about drugs, in my opinion. This is not the opinion of CBS Radio, but in my uh, in my opinion, me, Rick Emerson, we have this thing where when talking to children, first of all, about narcotics, we will equate uh, something like uh, smoking pot with, you know, like shooting heroin into your eyeball. And we will tell children, no, no, they're all the same, and they will all kill you dead. You will die instantly, horribly, covered with weevils. And then, of course, the first time a kid, uh, you know, they smoke pot, and then they discover it's not exactly like uh, just sitting around and smoking half a pound of crack. Then they instinctively begin to doubt everything adults tell them about drugs. The other thing that we do is that we tell children that smoking doesn't make you look cool, which of course is a flat-out lie. Smoking makes you look completely cool. The only thing is, in your head, there's got to be some sort of seesaw where... On the one hand, you, you weigh how much you want to look cool, and on the other hand, you weigh how much you don't want to end your life, at, you know, 65, breathing in an iron lung, having given all your money to healthcare systems. And I think that everybody has got to reach some sort of conclusion in their own head about whether looking cool is really worth – I mean, looking cool for like a three-year period from like 21 to 24 – whether that is worth the fact that starting at age 30, you're no longer going to look cool. You're just going to look leathery and wrinkled, and then at 65, you're going to look dead. Um, so this does sort of dovetail uh, with that. Is this the only study to show that that's the case, or does this echo what other studies have said? No, there's been other studies in the past that have linked movies and smoking. The reason this one differs is because other studies have shown that kids will maybe try smoking when they see um, – famous um, actors or people that they see as role models smoking. But what this found was it, it actually, the, seeing the frequent exposure to the smoking cues in the movies made them an established smoker. So they were smoking more than 100 cigarettes, not just picking it up, trying it, and either not liking it or, or then continuing. Interesting. All right. Thank you. Amanda Moyer, CNN Radio Correspondent, Atlanta. Enjoy your respite from the 116-degree heat. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. All right. Thank you. There you go. CNN Radio Correspondent, Amanda Moyer.
I only wanted to smoke because of Steve Dallas. That was the sole reason. It's uh, 503-733-2970. Coming up in just moments, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Uh, later on, we'll talk to Steve Castamon. We have the top five songs about the children and your final chance to win uh, the Queen's Track Double Disc Best of CD Sign of the Times. We'll go out on this one. Rick, correction. Brittany was seen walking around with one blue eye and two brown eyes. All right. We'll uh we'll go out on that. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Tim Riley next. Inquire. Yeah. That's always anytime the price isn't listed for something, you can't afford it. My, my dad always told me that, and I do believe that to be true. That if you must ask how much something is, you better off not buying it. All right. Uh, why, hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Coming up later on, we'll talk to uh, Steve Kastenbaum, also the top five and whatnot. Uh, also a list of right here, bad ways to die. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, it's Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. So I think that Scotty did a good job in my absence. Nobody's saying. Hi, Tim. How are you? Well, Scotty gives it the old... Um, Mount Hood Community College track. All right. Well, just... well, that's good enough for now. I'm going to have to go back and listen to his uh, reports no, a little bit later. No need to do that. I, no, I mean, Scotty is, Scotty is great, um, but I think as everybody would agree, including Scotty, he really, I, and not, uh, I, don't, I don't want to sound like a jerk, he actually did a, you know, he bears up under the pressure pretty well. Uh, Thursday, good. Friday, good. Yesterday, eh, by the end of yesterday's program, I don't know what it was. You know, we had a pretty great show yesterday. I mean, it was you know one of our one of our typical holiday shows. Where everything's a little looser, a little strange, a little you know, a little more freewheeling than normal. But man, by about one thirty yesterday, I mean, Scotty wasn't really alone on this, but he had the worst case of it. Scotty just had he had lost the ability to speak. I don't know even like the simplest of words, just the smallest of sentences. I mean, he would try to say one-syllable words, and they would come out as like a four-syllable mishmash of just all consonant sounds. So, anyway, so I it's it, it's, it's good to have you back where you belong. I, it, it, I've never been happier to be home. <laughs> when, when the yeah, highlight this, of my trip was watching, you know, a, a Hitchens interview on on, on book notes. And when you're talking about staying in one of those hotel rooms, and uh, this happens a lot of times at older hotels too, where it used to be a smoking room, mm-hmm. and then like in the big wave of the because California is the, you know they have that they have smoking you can't van. Smoke, like, Everywhere. Which is good. Oh, which is great. There's no, you know, here you see everyone smoking. You can't smoke anywhere in California except for your car. No, if you try to smoke up in California, they'll beat you to death. Uh, and and it, even kids don't smoke there. No, it's. It, it, I mean, even the poorest of kids don't smoke. The there. weird thing is, I mean, even along, you walk along the beach, no one smokes. You're walking outdoors. You go to parks, no one is smoking. But sometimes they have those old uh, old hotels where they, they like some of the rooms used to be smoking rooms and they just retrofitted them mm-hmm. and you can always tell a room that either a there's two things you can that you can always tell when a room either a was a smoking room or b like if you ever been to an apartment where somebody used to have cats and you can just man you never get that cat dander out of the car but you walk in your eyes just go and they swell shut 
So that's it, man. You can always tell. And especially second hot days, I can't possibly smell this bad. <laughs> and that smell stays in your nostrils forever. It's like walking through a rendering plant. That smell will be in your nose for the next three or four days. But I, I will say something. If you go to Southern California and have to go uh, back and forth to the airport, San Diego has the best transportation. It's 250 to get back and forth yeah. on the airport bus, and it leaves every 10 minutes. And it's never crowded, and it's really easy to get around. I love San Diego. San Diego is really, really a great place. That is actually, we were just talking about this during the break, that it's become a really expensive city. I mean, yeah. it was always kind of pricey, but it's become, I mean, it's exponentially more expensive than it, than it was even when I lived there, and that was only seven or eight years ago. Um, but um, But as you pointed out, people think that Los Angeles... Or California is what San Diego is. San yeah. Diego is what everybody thinks that L.A. is. Mm. I mean, L.A. is just a grimy asshole. I mean, really L.A. just is. sucks. I mean, and L.A. is it sucks you in and you can't get out. It's like, <laughs> it's like an octopus with tentacles. It's a roach hotel. It really is. You just you you check in, but you can never. As you pointed out, you 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 can check in anytime you like. But you can never leave. It's like every six months comes. Around, I must go back. I must. Oh, what, why am I going back here? I left here years ago. Yep. I spent. I wasted ten years of my life. <laughs> Yet I still keep going back. Living in L.A. is just, I mean, and it's just, you talk to people who, who've lived there for any length of time, and it's like they just had sandpaper taken to their soul. You know what I mean? But, but you know, it's worse elsewhere. I was talking to uh, a bunch of people who work in the media in New York, and you can't even live, like, a, a middle-class life there unless you make at least $350,000 a year. I have no idea. I mean, and we know people who are, not, who are, as they say, of modest means who live in New York, and I don't know how they do. How does your sister live in New York? How does that work? She, if I can ask. I mean, does she? No, I mean, she just she rents a room. She she hustled on the street. I mean, what she is, rents a room, and she's a she's a waitress, so she makes a lot of tips that way. What is, now, if I can ask this, what does it cost her to rent a room? Does she live in Manhattan? She lives in Brooklyn. Oh well, that she was part of it. She lives in a dumb way. She pays. <laughs> <laughs> she lives in a cupboard. <laughs> She was telling me all about her apartment. I guess she lives above a, a Puerto Rican bar, and oh, people will be oh, screaming wonderful. at each other at all hours of the night. She's finally gotten used to the screaming. And the oh, music. that's great! It's like I told her to write all these things down and make a great sitcom someday. I know. Yeah, she pays. I think she pays like six hundred. Jesus. For a room. Uh, yeah. It's unreal. But she works at like a wine bar. But it's like in some cities to live like a decent class, middle class lifestyle, like we live here, it costs about. On the minimum, one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars a person a yeah. year oh, in yeah. New York, at yeah. least. Yeah, I mean, there's, there was this time in my life uh, when I was uh, when I was thinking, you know what? I, and I was going to do that thing. You know, oh, I think I'll live in New York for for two years. And I mean, you I see just, all these great shows every week. Totally, exactly. They all would wallow in the culture. And I think it's not that I've. I mean, I've never really spent an extended period. I think the longest I was ever in New York was for ten days at a stretch. But I mean, goddamn. And I know it was a, it was like as a tourist and not living there. But ten days in New York, I just felt like I had just been put on a taffy stretching machine. By the end of that, it was like I just wanted to kill myself. I mean, really? it's great. It's oh, great. I'm there. And I just want to be there longer. I, it's uh, not, it's great. That's it's just, what LA does to you. <laughs> it's just exhausting. It's not that it was even bad. Like LA is bad. New York is just exhausting. It's just, and I remember just having no ability, and I think part of it is that I just had no ability to get away from people. Like, there was nowhere in New York I could go, literally, other than my hotel room, to get away from people. Everywhere you went, I, even in Central Park, which is huge, there were always people around. And the first time I went to New York, it was just overwhelming, because everywhere 
I went. There was a crowd of about 7,000 people for no, you know, well, I'm just going to go to the bagel shop. And, I mean, it would just, you would just walk in, and you would just be shoulder to shoulder with people. And the only way I could get solitude was to go back to my hotel room, which, of, of course, was phenomenally minuscule. I mean, it really was like living inside. I was like the old woman in a shoe in that place. See, that's I mean, how I felt in Boston, even though Boston's smaller than New York. Um, when I was in Boston, I just felt like people were constantly just bumping and shoving. And I love they're, Boston. They're so close to you. Yeah, and for some reason, Boston and I just did not agree with each other. But no. New York, I didn't. I didn't get the Boston's a great place to be a student because there were so many colleges there. Yeah, my sister lived right next to Harvard. I mean, I I miss my Roach and Fetch studio apartment. Yeah. Well, and you come back from the weekend and you hear something crushing underneath your feet and you realize they're <laughs> dead roaches. <laughs> I always remember that dead roach. <laughs> I am um, the. Have you ever done this? Have you ever lived in a? And this happened to me when I lived. This is actually not a, not a, a huge town. When I lived in Salt Lake, I had an apartment like that. Mm-hmm. The most discon. Speaking of roaches, welcome to the lunch hour. Uh, the the most disconcerting thing that would happen to me is that I would leave like an article of food on the counter, like a small piece of toast or something. Like I would finish it in the morning, or you know, leave part of it in the morning, and I would come home. Later, or maybe the next time I went into the kitchen, you know, you're a guy living alone. Sometimes you eat, you eat out or you eat fast food or whatever. And so the next time I would go into the kitchen, I would notice that the piece of food had moved. Like I had left it by one corner of the sink. I will never forget at one point I had part of like half of a potato for some reason. I had eaten half a baked potato. And I had left the other part just sitting in, in the Who sink. Who half a potato? Well, I, I don't know why. I forget why I did that, but I'd eaten half a baked potato. And I put the other part in the sink, and I thought, well, I'll just put it down the disposal later. And I just kind of chucked it into the sink for then. And I came back a few days later into the kitchen, and I swear to God, the potato had moved across the sink and was about half gone. And that's just, that's really unnerving. Because then you start thinking about, you know, that when you sleep, those things, that's what crawls in and out of your nose while you're asleep. You know what I mean? It's just bad. But every town I lived in, Matt, you talking about New York reminded me of, of this. Every town I lived in, it seems like I always come to that town about two years after some great sort of hippie, bohemian, cheap lifestyle has ended. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Everywhere I moved to, they always are like, oh, yeah, up until a couple years ago, you could get a five-bedroom apartment for $104. You know, everywhere I go, it has suddenly just started to gentrify. It's suddenly just become expensive. All right. Well, in any event. But it's always good to come home. It is. Portland. You can, is, you can jump on a plane, spend a lot of money, and come home where it's reasonable to live. You know, Portland really is, is fantastic. It, uh, it is, it, it, it's not that I'm not looking forward to going and seeing my wife and being in Europe and so forth and hey, but I, uh, I am already in a weird way looking forward to coming back to Portland because uh, it always is nice to come back. And Portland is, uh, is fantastic. I don't know where to start. Well, I, don't, I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm going to start because I think we're not going to see this. The following clip. Ever again? Ever again. Okay. So is this the Jerry Lewis clip? This is the Jerry Lewis clip. Oh, it's so uncomfortable. Yeah, it really is awkward. Uh, First of all, this is uh, now now called the Jerry Lewis telethon. They're trying to stomp out Jerry Lewis, apparently. And, uh, and of course, they always say that they meet their goal or surpass it. $63.7 million. Oh, are they they not referring to this as the muscular dystrophy telethon? No, this is the Jerry Lewis telethon. So as soon as something bad happens... Jerry Lewis will be back next year. Stick his his name right on the front of it. Mm -hmm. Um, All right, so this happened, I guess, late last night? Apparently. So this this came from the South Point Hotel and Casino and Spa. I don't even know where that is. I don't know. Everyone else kicked him out? The South Point Casino and Spa? Yeah, in Vegas. Where has it been for the last couple of years? In L.A.? I haven't watched it like... 20 years. Because it was in Vegas for a long time. Mm-hmm. We were talking to Roop about this yesterday. Roop was uh, doing a big story on uh, on muscular dystrophy. We were talking about the telephone. Uh, and, and Roop, you know, it's not a secret. He mentioned this yesterday that, that um, Jim Roop's 
uh, child has uh, muscular dystrophy. Oh. And so we were talking, you know, we're talking about the telethon and how they raise money and, you know, where does it go and whatever. But we were talking about Jerry Lewis and I was saying what I say every year, which is that I really haven't watched since they started letting him take naps. Because I used to just, back in the days when he would just try to do 72 hours Jerry, straight. Jerry, how do you do it? Ed McMahon would always, <laughs> Ed McMahon, Jerry, how do you do it? And, well, we knew deep down oh, how he did it. Of course. I mean, the real answer ended in dream. That's exactly how the real answer. It was, I mean, because you would see him and his I mean, just face all tight, you know, pimples all tiny, just sitting screaming at the camera, just slowly going more and more crazy with each passing it hour. It just isn't enough. <laughs> and and these, these mobsters would be shaking their boots up on stage. Oh, yeah. Um, and there would always be some guy... Not to uh, not to traffic in stereotypes, but I do remember that I would I would watch the uh, the the telethon in the early years, any of the early years that I watched it, and there would always be some guy who would come up with a Jersey accent, and he would always say, uh, "We have this from the uh, from the the, the amalgamated sewer workers." Yeah, what I was going to say, the Concrete Pours Retirement League would like to give this generous donor, and it was always a guy who's you know who's who called himself like his nickname was you know Scuzzy the Chin or something. Three fingers, Vinny, and all the guys. Guys of the local 45 would like you to have this, Jerry. And you knew it was the same guy that was getting, you know, Jerry and Dean bookings in 1959. Yeah. Anyway, all right. So this is so this clip, and then we'll, and somebody's calling. Somebody's on hold here about wants to talk about I, uh, about. Here's what it says on the screen. It says today is a certain talk jock's birthday. Do we know who he's talking about? No. Sarah. No. All right. Well, so we'll get that call here. Shock jock. I don't know. I I don't think people really say are? that. Yeah, that's exactly. They right. are a shock jock. Yeah. Yes. The uh, talk jock is like, you know what talk jock is, or shock jock even. Shock jock is sort of like that's the um, Frisco of the radio world. That is a thing that is said only by people who who are sort of not not of there or from there. I'm not trying to impugn the caller. I'm just saying that is no one in San Francisco says Frisco. Uh, and no one who is in talk radio says shock jock. No one lives in Los Angeles. No. <laughs> Unless you're describing it from the East Coast. That, that's totally my true. My relatives back, back East Coast. Okay. Bless you, sir. All right. So the following soundbite is from what we are now going to call, I guess, the Jerry Lewis telethon, which makes it sound like it's a telethon to raise money to uh, fix Jerry Lewis's head. Mm. All right. So here we so go. He dro- uh, apparently, the F-bomb can mean one or two words, and it's not the shorter word. Or is it? Well, we'll find no, it, out. It's not the longer. Let's be very clear about this. Let's be very clear that we're, we're not <laughs> laughing along with this. We're, no, we're playing this. this thing. We're laughing near this. Yes. Uh, this is not the. Uh, this is not the word. Uh, this is not the uh, the word that runs truck. We have to bleep. Yeah. Right. It's not bleepable. Right. All right. So here we go. So here we go. Resume. Talk. Play. <laughs> oh, they've already, have they already removed it? Have we acted too I'm, slowly? I'm trying to... Uh, I have it, Tim, if you want okay, me to try. Quiet, yeah. right. Mine is not working. The jam- TMZ is uh, being jammed. We're into our 18. Look how good he moves that camera over here. Son of a gun. Wherever I go, he goes. Let's see what you do with this over here. Oh, your family has come to see you. You remember Bart, your older son, Jesse, the illiterate fag. No. Now, why? He, said, he kind of said half the word. Why? Oh, yeah, because that makes it better. Why yeah. would he even say that? Well, yeah. you, you got to consider his age. And, and what's funny to people of that age? I was just going to say, cue all of the, well, he comes from a different era. I mean, I... It was a different time. It was a different, he's a, he's a man of a different generation. I... 
And I love the idea that he cuts himself off halfway through because to him that's the sort of polite version of the term. It is, I mean, I think that is very much um, a holdover from the sort of 50s and 60s era of comedy when I guess... I guess that thing was, you know, it was like a lot of the sort of racial humor that they would do, which is, you know, it's not like I'm some, you know, not like I'm some of the poly purebred about it. I mean, it just, I think you have to have, I think any word or any kind of uh, slur or phrase or profanity or whatever, I think that can't, stuff can be used and it can be really funny, but I think you've got to have a much lighter touch than a uh, than, than an exhausted, woozy, delirious 81-year-old Jerry Lewis has. I'm not saying that word can't be used, uh, you know, humorously in some sort of context, but if you're going to do that, if you're really going to walk out there uh, on that comedic branch, I think you really, really have to have a pretty fine touch, and maybe at the end of a three-day bender of no sleep is maybe not the time to be dragging that word out so did he say something against women a couple years ago they got him in trouble i can't remember exactly i don't know what are the odds of that no. i well because i mean oh, go, women don't belong in show business i, I believe it was something like really that. but yeah. i don't know who he's saying it about women don't no women uh shouldn't be comedians something well, like that i so jerry lewis said that yeah uh, the um I know if you go back and you watch a lot of that, uh, like the stuff from the the summit meetings, like a lot of the, uh, the you know the, the Dean Martin uh, era. Well, probably stuff. the Friars roast. The stuff fr- is full of that. Well, the Friar, but see, the, the Friars roast. Even today, the Friars roast, which are not as bad as they used to be. Um, the Friars roast, which is unbelievably, they've sort of it, it, it tamed it down a little bit, as I understand it. Um, but like the ones you see on Comedy Central. As vile as they can sometimes, and they are hilarious, but as vile as those can sometimes be and as rough as the language can be, I understand that it is actually still a lot cleaner and a lot more toned down than it was sort of, you know, even like like back when Dean Martin was doing it. But, um, but I mean, again, I think, you know, I think as, uh, as Michael Richards discovered, if you're going to try to do some sort of Lenny Bruce thing where you're using the, uh, where you're using the word to give your comedy a sort of outlaw sensibility – I think you really got to carefully. Th- those words are a. Uh, those words are. A, those words are a comedic spice, I believe. And you really got to pick and choose the moments you're going to use them, because otherwise, it's like the Imus thing. It's not like you can't use certain words, but I think it, if you use them in the wrong way, as I think Don Imus d- discovered, what you sound like, like in the case of Imus, as I said at the time, it just sounds like a really old white guy who looked at a group of young black women, and like that was the first word that came to his mind. Like when he when he when he went to the file in his head marked young black ladies, the first thing that came up was the word hoe. Like that was the first thing his brain conjured up, and so that's that's the the, the Jerry Lewis thing here. So I wonder if that's going to be. Uh, I mean, I wonder if he's a big enough celebrity for the media to, to really seize on with this. That's sort of the question. Is whether he's whether it is the problem is they pay very little attention to him now. I, yeah, I mean he is sort of the good news, bad news is he's kind of irrelevant at this point. Yeah. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show about Jerry Lewis. Hello, sir. Hey, Rick, how hey. you doing? What's up? Hey, so uh, you know, I think the only bad thing about it really is the, in the context because he was doing it. As a family member to, that he was what? He was doing it during the telethon, or you know, where he was trying to raise money for kids with MS. Or, you know, whatever the heck he was, he was doing. But if John Rickles did this at the coast, you know, if John Rickles said that about somebody in the audience, nobody would think twice. Well, that is that's true. That's kind of John Rickles' humor anyway. That is true. I guess maybe that's the thing is when you watch Jerry Lewis, he has very successfully made himself over as being a very mainstream uh, family oriented because as Tim has pointed out he still uses that caricature of himself from when he was like 19 and he still does the squeaky like hey lady voice a whole lot and whatever and he's kind of 
morphed himself into being a family entertainer and to being very inclusive and broad. And you know, and when you go to see Rickles, uh, like we all went to see Don Rickles when he was at the, when he was at the casino last year. And I mean, you know, it's a casino. Everybody's drinking. You know what you're gonna get. I think this is just sort of, it came out of nowhere, and he wasn't even introducing a member of the crew. It was like some poor family member who just happened to be standing there. That's the funny thing about it. So, all right, excellent. Thank you, sir. All right, uh, so there you go. Who wants to hear uh, Jerry Lewis sing? Me. All right. You will never That was the only sound bite from the whole thing. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I went through several sources, and that's it. And that's probably not even from this year. Oh, I mean, God, yeah, we don't know. I mean, really, what, uh, how? I mean, how many years has it been? Was forty-two years? I mean, not to not to diminish the man or his uh, his dedication and so forth. I'm just saying, God, God knows that could that could have been from thirty years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, because by the end, that's the thing is, by the end of the Labor Day telethon every year, he sounds like he's about eighty-five years of age. It doesn't matter how young and vibrant he was at the beginning. At the end of that three-day weekend, he does not sound like he has all his faculties. I mean, every year he just sounds like a nutcase. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, Rick. Hey, what's up? First of all, um, not to throw Scotty too much under the bus, but at no point did I ever use the expression talk jock. Okay. Well, I'm just reading what talk it says on the screen. Scotty sort of makes up his own uh, in this, his own interpolations of what people say. This, this gentleman is a gentleman that I have tremendous respect for, and I believe that everybody in the room there has tremendous respect for. Who? Paul. Scotty? No. Oh. Paul, Paul. <laughs> I'm sorry. I should have known better. Go ahead. Paul Harvey. Turns 89 today. Oh, that's a lie. He is so much older than that. There, sure is, old. there is no way Paul Harvey is turning 89. Are you making that up? No, no. That's that's the uh, that's that's the word on the street. The, wor- the word on the street. The word out among the kids, your peoples, is that he's 89. Um, yeah, yes. I thought he was 92. I thought that. Why do I have that in my head as the age that Paul Harvey is? All right. Well, we'll look at uh, it. So, did you did you uh, now? Did you hear this from Paul Harvey? I mean, yeah, it was I had him he... over for tea yesterday. He said, <laughs> I had him over for dialysis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we were sitting around having our platelets replaced. Um, yeah, we were having cookies and dialysis. No, but I mean, uh, did he did he say this on his broadcast, sir? No, no, he did not say it on the broadcast. There was a, uh, I, but I've heard it from a couple different sources, um, sort of along those lines of what's happening today. Oh, in I see. History, it. You know? Oh, it was like sort of an on this day or notable notable birthdays. One of those things where somebody's. It really didn't come in early enough to put anything together, so they just read the the AP show prep like directly off the wire. Here's what's happening today on this exactly. day in rock history. Uh, okay, so Paul Harvey is 89 years of, of age. He's 89 years young today. Yeah, and right. and I, I actually every once in a while I, I kind of I tune around to try to find him because it, it's fun to just listen to him because he I I grew up listening to him and his voice, man, it's it's been the same voice. And everybody that goes in there to cover him whenever he's feeling kind of a little ill, like his son or, right. or anybody else, they try to affect that voice, but you just you can't copy it. Here's the it thing is. about Paul Harvey's voice. Paul Harvey's voice is, as you said, it is a little... Um it's a little catching because if you talk to him, or again, if you if you find yourself sort of doing like a uh, you know talking about the, the the rest of the story, or if you're doing a bit that's sort of like that, you will fall into uh, delivering his voice, or deli- you know de- 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 talking, you emulating his voice, his style of delivery, because it is one of those things that like you, I mean, he's 89. None of us have ever, uh, no one in this room, no one in this building. 
Uh, and very few people, I would say, within the sound of my voice, have ever known a world without Paul Harvey. I mean, Paul right. Harvey was broadcasting. He was a veteran by the time most of us ever started listening to the radio. So he's one of those guys that is inescapable. His imprint is, uh, you know, it's like Casey Kasem, but even more so. Uh, yeah, his imprint is inescapable. He was Ed Murrow's idol. Yeah, is that that's not true? No, no, no. Ed Murrow oh, was I along for saying that for but, purposes of comedy. Yes. Yes, but you know, it's not just the gravel. It's also the pausing, the dramatic pausing. For example, I don't think that anybody could say. Paul Harvey, without the pause before news no. and comment. No, I thought you were going to do the good day. All right, thank you, sir. From now on, I'm quoting an open letter from God. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Chip. All right. Uh, it's 503-733. That gets a random quote of the day. <laughs> 2970. Do you remember that uh, that uh, soundbite that Bruce Eggler had pulled from Paul Harvey that used to play as... Do you remember on KOT? Do you remember on KOTK? Many years ago. <laughs> remember on KOTK? There was this Bruce Agler, who I think did most of the production for KOTK himself, uh, and I think he's actually out of town today, so he probably won't be able to call in and clarify this. But he, he, I think, had put together most of the most of the production himself, where it, it would come sort of dry. In other words, just the vocals. And then he would put together the music and the whatever and the, the bed and the and the you know the whatever instrumentation behind it. But he had this one production trick where he would have the first half of the jingle where it would say like you know Hot Talk 1080, and then you would have like a random soundbite from like Futurama, and then it would say KOTK Portland at the end. And so one of the, and so it was a donut, as they say, like a sandwich, where it would be half the liner, then some random soundbite from a movie or a TV show, and then the soundbite would close. And there's this one they used to play, and I always wondered in what context it was found. And where Casey Keating, the big voice guy, comes on and he goes, Hot Talk 1080. And then it's Paul Harvey saying, Gonads may be useful, but they are no substitute for brains. I remember that. My dear children... And believe me, that is all of you. <laughs> That's creepy. That's Paul Harvey right before he tells you to drink the cyanide. <laughs> Bring the children to the... Co That's a great radio bit. If you're a morning hack jock, somebody, if you ask somebody out there with just, just the barest rudiments of talent, you just do Paul Harvey ass. Right there. I'm going to give you that hack morning show theater. It, you, it, I am, I am directing this now at you, the vast multitudes out there who annoy the, uh, annoy the, uh, the teeming multitudes with your. Uh, I consider myself a pretty patient guy. I mean, look at the Grand Canyon. It took millions of years to get it right. There for every one of those years. So, uh, if you're some sort of hack-like morning show, here is your new bit: Paul Harvey as, and then you just do like Paul Harvey as porn star. Paul Harvey as. Somebody give me another one. Paul Harvey as. Methuselah. <laughs> Method acting. Paul, Paul Harvey as... Ron Burgundy. Paul Harvey as Ron Burgundy. Paul Harvey as Scarface. Paul Harvey as the guy who takes your order to drive through a window. You know, like I'd... Uh, hello, I'd like curly fries and a Frosty, please. Well, your order will be... Five dollars and... Forty-five cents. Good day. And that'll be it. There you go. There's your whole bit. Do that every morning. Get yourself a cozy nine share. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. How's it going? What's up? What's up? Hey, earlier you said you didn't know what a fiefdom was. Fiefdom. Yes, a fiefdom as opposed to a kingdom. A fiefdom is an area of a kingdom that is ruled by a duke or a duchess uh, as 
the king or allows them to. Okay, so it is sort of a uh, sort of. It's a, it's a mini kingdom within a kingdom. Sort of, sort of a, a cellular, uh, a cellular group, a cellular existence within the larger body of a kingdom. That's correct, because the the duke or the, uh, duchess, the duke or the duchess. Um, has to supply their own army. They have their own defenses Excellent. for that section of the kingdom. Excellent. Thank you for the clarification, sir. You bet, man. Good day. All right. It's 503-733-2970. Let's do one more here, and then we'll uh, we'll take a break. One more of what? My goodness. What? Oh, are we back to doing this Let's again? Do, uh, one. Yes, yes, you are back from vacation. Okay. Let's do uh, one more news story here, and then we will uh, take a break here at the bottom. Well, we're done with the uh, Diana Depp. Factory. We didn't talk about it once. I don't. No. Did we talk about the Diana thing at all? Not really. Mm-mm. I don't think so. I, I, when, I mean, turn on any TV, you're going to see the same special over and over again, and people continue to watch it. Did you see that? Um, did and you she's see the money making machine? Who's the, the guy? Who, who's the guy that died with her? Dodi Fayed. Yeah. Fayed? Mm-hmm. Did you see his dad uh, going all going all nutty? No. Because apparently the let me see if I can get this right here. Apparently the Archbishop of Wales or something. Mm-hmm. Or, or of Britain, some guy, there's some religious, some big religious leader uh, in Britain, I guess, and he was he was calling on all of the parties involved to quit their squabbling, and to uh, you know, and to let bygones be bygones. And Dodi Fayed's dad just put out like the most angry statement, called him like a moronic stuffed shirt, and told him to shut his hole. And oh, whatever. he's a Fred Goldman of Britain. He, he really is. That's exactly the right way to put that, um, because I guess that I guess Dodi Fayed's dad is insisting now. That Diana was killed by the M15 or M16 or whatever that Secret Service. They're oh, like yeah. the Mossad of Britain. Mm-hmm. So Dodi Fayed's dad is insisting that like the British Secret Service killed Diana, and I guess he is going forward with some lawsuit. This is the only thing that might make Diana's death reasonably interesting to me, is that he is pushing forward with some lawsuit uh, to uncover what he says is the truth about. It. Anyway, so like some some archbishop or whatever uh, asked him. At the funeral, like said publicly, like knock it off, and he just and he issued like four minutes later some press release saying get stuffed, and was just like all angry about it. So I guess there's going to be some uh, inquest into her death, and he's going to insist that the government had her killed for reasons unknown. So that'll be interesting. So let's talk, forget about Diana and talk about the crocodile hunter. Excellent. He died one year ago today, and to celebrate is his little girl Bindi, who claims to uh, want to continue her father's legacy. I definitely want to keep doing it because it's something that he started, and I want to. How creepy is she? Chatty Kathy. Yeah, I mean she's just. Black. I know all about animals. And let me just say, Bindi Irwin just has black, lifeless, dead eyes, like a, a Twilight Zone like, episode, like a doll's eyes. Uh, that's exactly what I was doing. I was doing the Talking uh-huh. Tina episode, yeah. the uh, Telly Savalas. My name is Bindi Irwin, and I'm going to kill you. I definitely want to keep doing it because it's something that he started, and I want to help do it because I don't want to grow up in a world without animals. Jesus. I, oh, my God. I, I do believe I do believe that Bindi Irwin may be the fabled Antichrist. Mm-hmm. I can't really prove that at this point, but there is just something. She is really just an automaton. You know what I mean? Do you know what she reminds me of? She is a less bizarre-looking version of that. Um, God, who is that? Uh, I want to say Haley Joel Osment, but it wasn't. It was Haley Eisenberg. Do you remember her? Mm-mm. No. She was an actress. Okay, you do, and here's what you remember her from. Haley Eisenberg, if that isn't, I believe that is her name. She was the little girl who was in those uh, Diet Pepsi trailers that ran at Regal Cinemas forever and ever, where she was like an old West thing. 
And she would, you know, she would go and she would belly up to the bar and order like a diet Pepsi, and then she turn and she goes, yeah, and she goes, no smoking, and she'd say it in like a really huskily male voice. She was in this movie with Minnie Driver called Beautiful. That's exact, but you know the girl I'm talking mm-hmm. about. She kind of looked like a little version of Minnie Driver, very curly uh-huh. hair, very like cherub-like oh. cheeks, but just yeah, just like like the devil's eyes, just flat, black, lifeless eyes. She turned out to be not so attractive. No, she ended I up know. looking like the crows had pecked at her for a while. I know. No, it's all kinds of. It was unpleasant. If you get your beauty when you're young, you know, there's nowhere to go but down. <laughs> it is true. Yes, it is. All right. Mm. Me and Bialik. All right. Uh, so, anywho. All right. What was you? Are we breaking? The what only thing yes. is that about a boy kid. Well, I guess because he was ugly when he was younger. No, but he was, no, he was like man. a buck-toothed freak. Oh, man. He was the, one of the most just like unattractive kids I've he ever looked seen. like he looked like a play-doh sculpture that had been set on a shelf on a hot august day you know what i mean a play-doh <laughs> sculpture you know what i mean like if you were like if you were to make a really attractive looking face out of play-doh and then let it sit on a radiator for a good 10 or 12 minutes that's what that kid in about a boy looked like and then his teeth were all like jutting out at odd angles you know what i mean uh-huh. like i don't know and how he chewed he... his food without blinding himself yeah now he's like supermodel hot and 17 no, he's 18. Uh-huh. Is that the lie you tell yourself? I think he had a birthday recently. Is that how you sleep at night? All right. Uh, so which, before we break, which call should we take? We have this call that says, I'm a jerk. Uh, we've got a break soon, so. Or we have another call from a... Uh, He'll still be a jerk after the break. Yeah, it's true. Or we have a call from a prominent uh, Radio Portland personality. Oh, was he perhaps told to call us? What? Was he perhaps told to call us? I don't Is know. Is going to be another one of those awkward... Oh no no no! It's uh, it's somebody we used to work with. Oh, it's yeah? not Paul Harvey. <laughs> well, look up number out. two. Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson Radio Program. Mystery guest, sign in, please. Hi, Rick. This is Mike Chase calling. How are you? Hi, Mike Chase. How are Hi, you? Hi, Mike sir? Chase. Hi. Hi, everybody. Hi. Hello, Mike. What's up? Well, I'm enjoying the program. Thank you. Sir. And I was I was facetiously telling Scotty that I wanted you to slow down so I could write everything down for the show tomorrow <laughs> for my show <laughs> for, for your Paul Harvey as segment. Yeah. Yes. What, was it Paul Harvey as? Did you say as a, as a Ron Burgundy? I, that's right. That's where I got lost. Well, right I said I said Paul Harvey is porn star. Sarah said Paul Harvey is Ron Burgundy, and then I said Paul Harvey is the guy at the drive-through. Because here's the thing: the the never-ending uh, the the the, the, um, the giving tree of comedy is in terms right, of right, morning right. show bit is that uh, the drive-through guy. Because right. all, all you have to do is take anybody, any famous comedian, celebrity, living dead, and make them, what if blank was that guy at the drive-thru? And so you pick, like, whatever, Sam Kinison. And you make Sam Kinison the guy at the drive-thru, bam, instant morning show comedy. Okay. Well, I, again, I just want to say thank you. I mean, you, you, you played that little thing at the beginning of the show about yes. the FMDJs in the, in the show. Oh, press. Mike. So if you you missed, know that doesn't pertain to you. So if you missed today's program, what, you may what, hear it again tomorrow morning, then, apparently. Was that a, Mar, was that a Marconi thing? Was that... Are you are you, are you, are you talk about what that is or hello hello I'm sorry <laughs> okay I'll take that as a he's definitely no trying to find a sound bite no I'm trying to find the thing that's the phone breakup noise but it's not playing for some reason this was going to be now see my that comedy was going to be humorous my comedy no it really was going to be funny my comedy Wait, gold is being thwarted right now you know it was hilarious what you guys did the other day oh I mean, no seriously see, no no seriously I'm not I'm not being ironic this is totally true yes when you were doing that. The guy whose voice was infected, and he sounded like Darth Vader, and then you had Sarah play that Star Wars music under it. Oh, yeah. Holy yeah. crap. I yeah. mean, both, both Amy and I came in the next day, and we said, did you hear Emerson do that thing? We both laughed our heads off. That was great. Yeah, yeah, I saw Amy at the Soapbox Derby with her beautiful daughter. But you know what it is? That sort of that sort of comedy, It's that's sort of the Ravel model of comedy. You know what I mean? It's really all the parts came in a box. All I did was put the tab into the slot, and then it was gold. Okay. All, all right. right. Oh, wait. Here's the sound. 
I'm sorry, I didn't hear your question about that FM DJ thing. Well, we're losing your call, sir. Okay. Thank you. And we're out. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Page two. Five oh three. Seven three three two nine seventy. Tim Riley returns around the corner with more news and comment for you today. Later on the top five and Steve Kastenbaum. Paul Harvey. Good day. Emerson Radio Program, assembled lovingly in the United States by a collection of robots. It's uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. We are joined today by Tim Riley, back from vacation, working diligently, bringing you the news as only he can. Hello, Tim. Howdy, howdy. Tim, I have to say this, by the way, that Tim and I... Have been whiling away the uh, whiling away the minutes from the commercial breaks. It is so much fun by thumbing lovingly through this copy of TV Radio Mirror, uh, which is a uh, I, uh, just a little bit of backstory on this. Uh, this is already one of those uh, days I can just tell. It's not that it's did you buy the Playboy? I did. Awesome. It's one of those days. Not a bad show, but it's one of those days I think because we're coming off a holiday. Um, and there's a backlog of stuff to talk about. We don't know what, what to do. There is so much stuff that we are, I think, uh, right now we are feeling imprisoned by what my wife would refer to as the tyranny of choice. It just is so much stuff to get to. It's Tim's first day back. Tim is probably still a little bit in vacation mode. So it's, it, we, we, it, we are a bit, little bit like an Impala with wobbly wheels today. Um, so if we, if we just, if it sounds like it takes me three times as long to do, I mean, and this is relative, this is three times longer in Rick Emerson time. Because I know that Rick Emerson time and normal human time. Like, there's nothing that can be said in three words that I can't take a year to talk about. But even for me, I'm taking, like, three times as long to, to discuss anything today. Um, but just a little bit of backstory. So last week, uh, Sarah sent me this text message, or a voicemail message, rather. And she said, hey, by the way, there's this, uh, there's this antique store on Hawthorne. And she said, you're always talking about this one old issue. I say old. I mean, it is, what, 13, 14 years ago. She's like, there's this this old issue of Playboy that had Anna Nicole Smith in it that you're always talking about. I think this might be the issue they have it at this antique store. And it is uh, the Valentine's Day issue, pardon me, from 1994. And I've said for a long time, I've discussed at length the fact that I, and I think a lot of guys are this way, I don't really find... Playboy magazine to be there's no I I, I don't know what phrase to use it's not to be a turn on as such the women in Playboy magazine are obviously very beautiful um, but you know they're really just sort of airbrushed and they're all women in Playboy are always just beautiful in exactly the same way I mean it doesn't matter it, you know white black old young tall short doesn't matter every woman in Playboy is beautiful in exactly the same type of way and so I think they're very very attractive certainly nice to look at nothing particularly arousing about women in Playboy just because I think of it's like Hefner has made Playboy so tasteful that it becomes just a complete aesthetic experience. It doesn't become a sexual thing at all. That being said, I've always talked about this one issue of Playboy that had just the hottest thing I had ever seen, which was Anna Nicole Smith's uh, Valentine's Day 1994 uh, photo shoot. It was just the hottest thing I'd ever seen in my life. And I used to have it and lost it or threw it away years ago. Sarah gives me this voice memo. She's like, hey, go to this antique store. I think they've got this issue of Playboy you're always talking about. So I walk in, and sure enough, uh, it was right there in the front window. 
And the guy had actually just marked it down. Apparently, he had taken all of his Playboy magazines with Anna Nicole Smith, and as soon as she died, he put them all in the front window at like four times the, the, the price. They were all eight bucks. He jacked them up to thirty-five dollars each and put them in the window, and he had sold all but one. And this one issue was the only one he hadn't sold, so he'd marked it back down to eight dollars. And so I walked in, uh, threw down my eight bucks. Got this copy of, and I don't even know what I'm going to do with it. I'm not like going to keep it or something. I mean, I guess I will. But so I, I just kind of wanted to read it. And, you know, you can't just be a jerk and read it in the antique store. So I take it up to the cash register. As I am walking to the cash register with my copy of Playboy, um, I walked by this issue of TV Radio Mirror. And there really is no way to adequately describe how cool this is. This is from 19, do we know what 57. year? 1957. It is a fan magazine for the TV and radio enthusiast. And I don't mean like like the ham radio enthusiast. I mean like if you watch TV and listen to the radio, and it's very telling of the time period that it is one fan magazine for both TV and radio. On the front, such stars as Perry Como, Pat Boone, Ed Sullivan, and then a bunch of people I never even heard of. And people like Jeannie Carson. I have no idea who that is. She's not. I mean, she's not related to Johnny Carson. No. Um, but Man, I can't see the cover. Did you look at the back of that book? It's fantastic. Oh, it's like full. It's right out of uh, Mad Men. Right out of Mad Men. The back. Uh, Skinny ties and everything. The back cover is a Winston cigarettes ad, and it is a uh, a Technicolor. I can't tell if it's a, a painting or a picture. I think it's a picture that has been painted Technicolor style, and it is a young single uh, or a young couple, a man and a woman, in a diner. And they are smoking cigarettes with their meal, and the the word balloon coming out of the woman's ha- uh, mouth, the young woman says, Winston tastes good. And then there's an old woman leaning over from the next booth, completing the sentence, saying, like a cigarette should. And, I mean, this magazine is just, I mean, long interviews with Mitch Miller, just and every other page is just trying to sell you, like, Him cigarettes. Holding, are... a, holding his parrot. <laughs> Well, speaking with his children. Uh, in the back is a classic. I know that I'm describing a magazine on the air, on the air, but the inside back cover is one of the uh, old Breck ads, yeah. where it has like the little Aryan von Trapp girl, which is like the blonde. And this is the. I mean, talk about a white period in American America's history. You know when they say it's the, the, the blackest day of my life? This is the whitest year. Everybody years. in that magazine is white. The, the, but they're not just white. I mean, they're like. Full-on Clorox white. I mean, it's un... And Tim made the brilliant observation that all the women in the 50s looked like men. I mean, I don't know if there was some sort of plot afoot to just keep people from having sex, Mm -hmm. but it's like they went through and just gave every woman the worst possible hairstyle they could possibly imagine. How could they create some of the (laughs) grotesque examples? I don't know. But if I, I, I don't even know. Usually when we talk about something like this that you can't see, when we're describing something that's visual, we send someone to a website. We say, well, if you want to see what we're talking about, go to... I don't even really know where I would send you on the Internet to look at this. Well, if you want to know what this Jeannie Carson looks like, she has hair like Harpo Marx. <laughs> I mean, every every woman in there, it's like the hair is pulled in so tight and hard it looks painful. I mean, it really is, it's it's difficult to imagine how men of the 50s looked at women and suddenly said, you know, that's a woman with with whom I would like to have sexual congress. I mean, it really just, you do see why that guy on Mad Men just goes down and has sex with that bohemian girl in the East Village. You know what I mean? It's really, if it's if it's a choice between her or one of these things, you know, I'll take the, I'll take the hippie girl every time. So the question is... 
if we, we take one of these subscription coupons and mail it in, what happens? Oh, that's the other great thing about this magazine. Uh, this magazine from 1957. that $2 I $2 for 12 exciting issues. Is that it's got a subscription card, and this is before they started making it so the subscription card falls out uh, when you open the magazine. This is the kind that's still attached inside. I think about this stuff all the time. Did you ever do this? Did you ever buy a record from like 20 years ago, and then it'll say on the inside, you know, like... To subscribe to the Gordon Lightfoot fan club, send $1 in a self-addressed stamp. I think about that stuff all the time, about what happens if you send something to a fan club listing from like a different decade or from 15 or 20 years ago. And I also wonder, at what point do they stop that? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, in other words, if you have uh, some star of today, let's say uh, whatever, you got your uh, you got your Mandy Moore so Mandy Moore starts putting out records uh, six, seven years ago, whenever it was. They do the whole package. They get video shot. They make the record. They have the, She gets in magazines. She's on television. They set up a fan club. At some point in her career or in anybody's career, you stop generating enough mail or income, and there's no longer sufficient public interest to warrant paying somebody to staff your fan club. And I always wonder exactly what the cutoff point is. Like, at what point did they walk into the guy who was running the Sean Cassidy fan club and just say, look, uh, you're out? I mean, that's it. They just close it up. And if you send something to the Sean Cassidy fan club after it's closed, like in 1981, where does that mail go? Do they return it to you, or does it just go somewhere else in the record company and you just... Like if you like if you send something to the Sean Cassidy fan club and that's been closed, do they just give it to the Leaf Garrett fan club, just sort of assuming that the casual fan won't care as long as you get as long as you get some sort of glossy photo back that's scrawled with with some sort of signature? Does it? I mean, it's all the same. Well, didn't, didn't someone here know someone who was answering Johnny Carson's email as Johnny Carson till he died? Now, that wasn't something that your ex did, was it, Sarah? Did you did your ex answer Johnny Carson's email as him? Yeah, I don't know if he did it as him or if he just answered it in general. I know um, that people would write to him, though, well after he was dead. <laughs> I always wonder about that, too. because if And you... people would like claim to be long-lost relatives of his. And Can you give me some money, Johnny? The... It was the most ridiculous job ever. But, you know, you hear about that all the time, about, okay, here's two things. A... It really is one of those shows today, isn't it? Um, here's two things. We're not getting to any of this news, but, you know, there's too much to get to. There's, why even try? There's two things I wonder. A, you always hear about celebrities getting fan mail after they're dead. I mean, if it's a celebrity whose death was well-documented, I mean, what... I hate to sound like some sort of stupid observational stand-up comic, but what is that about? I mean, what... Who... After Johnny Carson is dead, how could maybe you miss... Maybe they didn't want to be the shocker that, you know, tells them actually that they're dead. No, but I'm saying, like, Johnny Carson's death, you don't, you don't miss that. Everybody knew that Johnny Carson died. Who writes fan mail people, to Johnny Carson? People who are six years old and crazy and writing fan mail in general probably aren't that, you know, mentally stable anyway. I suppose. Here's the other thing. Did you ever hear you ever hear these stories, too? You'll hear where, like, fictional characters on television will get fan mail or get the people, like, sending them letters to the character. Do you ever wonder if that's a thing that really happens or if that's just one of those stories that everybody in showbiz feels like they have to tell? I bet it happens with soap operas. Uh, probably. Because people like, to, like Nurse Betty. Probably. I could see that because the audience for soap operas is deeply unstable to begin with. I mean, that's just a lot of house for us drinking schnapps all day. I mean, that's, that's schnapps and Zoloft, you know, all day long. That's probably what that is. Have you heard about Jean's wretched periodic pain? It's downright foolish to separate silence every month. Notice periodic pain. radiant smile with Midol at drugstores everywhere. And is, is Joan an actual woman or is she a fictitious 50s woman being used to sell the product? With the pullback hair? 
Oh my God! So it's pulling your scalp. This, okay, the, this might all add is great. It shows it shows Joan smiling, and oh, then Jean. or Jean, when and then there are those little like sunshine beams coming off of her head as she smiles to show how she's now radiating. Uh, you know, smell. she's now radiating uh, menstrual happiness. Oh, there's a 24-page booklet explaining menstruation. It's available to you free. Write to Department B57, Box 280, New York, 18, New York. See? Sent in a plain wrapper. Does it say so that? Neighbor, so the neighbors will mm-hmm, sit in a plain wrapper. They won't wrapper. know I got I a menstruation booklet? I don't well, this want, is the 50s. I don't want the neighbors to know I menstruate. No bodily functions, please. That's communist. <laughs> Joe never menstruates at home. I don't... I mean... What kind of a society when your thing about the thing about your period has to come in a plain brown wrapper? Mm-hmm. Um, I, speaking of periods, and I never thought I would use that phrase. Ew. Am I the only one in the room who's seen Superbad? Yes. yes. Let me just tell you that there is this. Uh, I don't want to call it a joke, but there is this sort of incident that happens in Superbad, which is it's the first time I've ever seen this particular PMS joke done in a movie, and you really don't see it coming. I'm not even going to say that it's funny, because I know you'll see this movie at some point. I'm uh-huh. not even going to say that it's funny. I don't know if it is. It, it, it's just, it is one of those moments in a movie where you cannot believe that, it's that, it's that, oh no, they didn't, uh, school of comedy, where you're just like, I cannot believe that I'm seeing what I'm seeing here. It's super bad, which is a, a good movie, not a great movie. I don't think it's as good as everybody else thinks it is. Strong half hour open. The first half hour is fantastic. The end is great. Kind of sags in the middle. But there is this this PMS, PMS joke about two-thirds of the way through the movie that you watch simply because you can't believe that it's happening in a film. And you and yet you simultaneously wonder what took somebody so long to put this into a movie. It, it, it does seem like the joke seems a little inevitable. Once you get to it, you wonder why nobody has ever put it in a movie before. So, anyway. so well, we, The, the top radio it. comedian of 1957 is Aunt Fanny. And she's shown here visiting St. Joseph's Orphanage in Milwaukee, kissing children. I want to see Aunt Fanny before I die! All right. Kissing children. Everyone's uh, kissing children. Jesus. All right. Well, Harriet's, uh, away from the set, Harriet's uh, main concern is being a homemaker. <laughs> of course. As it should be. Hey, speaking of communists... So, I was talking to Susan Reynolds this morning. She's a communist? No. Well, I don't want to just come out and say Susan Reynolds is a communist, Maybe she Jim. just did it to please her grandparents. <laughs> I only attended one meeting! My college roommate signed me up for the brochure! I didn't know what it was! Um, no, the... Susan Reynolds is not a communist. <laughs> I say laughing. Um, Susan Reynolds, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru. Not, strictly speaking, a communist, but... It'll be in the sequel, too. <laughs> good night and good luck. She had to sign an oath. Murrow did it, so had Susan Reynolds. Susan Reynolds, the pink lady. Um, the, um... No, what I was... What I was going to... What I was, Her yes. name appeared in Red Channels. <laughs> um, anyway... No, she came by my office today. We were talking about whatever, and I noted that today uh, that Scotty was all stressed out because today was the first day of school, and so which is a thing I wasn't even aware of because none of us have kids. So today's the first day of school, and so all the parents are getting their kids shoved off to school. And she was talking about how you know, she, Susan had that great tone in her voice that only parents can really get, which it's the the tone that simultaneously conveys how much they love their kids and how glad they are that their kids are no longer around. It's that sort of a, thank God almighty, I am free at last tone in their voice. Do you know what they make school children do now? And my, and I only bring this up because my reaction to her was literally this morning, my reaction was literally to say, why, that's communism. 
The, do you know that children now have to pool their school supplies? Children are not allowed to have their own school supplies. What? That's what, what that? I'm saying. And her kid doesn't go to a private school. Goes to a public school. What do you mean pool your school supplies? Okay, here's what I mean by that, Sarah. Uh, when you go to school on the first day, because she's talking about how she had to take her kids out shopping to buy clothes, and then she had to take it in, and then she's like, and then we had to go buy pencils and pens and whatever. And I was noting that I loved going shopping for office supplies, A, because I had to wear a school uniform, so shopping for school clothes, what's the point? It's just going to be some soiled crap wore by a kid that was three years older than me last year, you know? So, um, But school supplies were great. Even now, as you know, I have a particular fondness for pens and pencils and paper, and I love office supplies because I'm a big dork. Um... But I said, oh, you know, I loved going shopping for school supplies and buying a pen and getting, you know, like some pencil that had a cool funky eraser on the tip of it. When we were like, you know, fifth grade, that stuff's really cool. She said that the way they do it now at public schools, and I'd be interested to know if Scotty's kids have to do this. They buy all their office supplies, and the deal is, like, you're supposed to buy, like, they send that guideline home. Like, your child for this school year, we estimate, will need 20 pencils and, you know, 10 pens. And, you know, they do this so the kid doesn't run out of school supplies and come to the teacher and, well, I don't have a pen. So, like, you know, when you start school, the kid will need to show up with 20 pens, 20 pencils, like, five erasers and, like, three tubes of glue or whatever the hell it is. But the deal is all the kids show up with their school supplies, and then they are all put into one communal bin. And then at the at the beginning of class every day, the kids go up to the communal bin, or they are given from the communal bin by the teacher, the pen or pencil they are using that day. And then it's taken back at the end of class. You are not allowed to use your own school supplies. You show up with your school supplies, they go into a communal bin, and the teacher then divvies them out from the communal pile. Oh, my God. I remember I, I saved up and got special, like, light, like mint green paper. That's what I'm saying. And all different co- colors of pens and pencils. Even now, as I said, I, because I'm writing today with the Uniball Signo 207, which is my new pen of choice. My, but my, my, without missing a beat, my instinctive reaction this morning, she told me that. She said, and so they have to pull their office supplies and they get them out of a bin. And without even thinking, I said, why, that's communism. First thing out of my mouth. All right. And they uh, share Miles' little red book. <laughs> we'll be, yes. We'll, we'll be reading over each other's shoulders as we learn the seven mile principles this morning. All right. Jesus. Um, I don't even know what we're doing. It's like one o'clock, and I don't know what we have done today. I mean, have we done anything? Have we accomplished anything today? Take a look at this counter. Are we capable of doing anything today? <laughs> no, we're really not. So, so, so Tim and I are behind and confused. Scotty seems hungover. Sarah seems like she's a little peeved about something today. Am I wrong about that? No, you know, it's just the whole the whole situation that I'm dealing with with the. Oh, I thought you were talking about with the other thing. No, 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 okay, no. Okay, you're fine with that. All right. No, it's just a little stressful. All right. So there's nothing that has to be sent in a plain round wrapper. Yeah. Sarah, are you suffering from... I'm waiting for my pamphlet. Is it, is it, is it Joan time? Jean. Jean, I'm sorry. Jo- jovial Jean. <laughs> no, are you waiting happy for... time because it's, it's not before Jean time and it's not during Jean time. It's that's in the, the glorious, like, sane two weeks. That's gonna, no, that's going to be our new phrase, by the way. Are you waiting for Jean's plain brown wrapper? Wrapper. That sounds wrong. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, this is David. Hey, what's up? Hey, you're uh, talking about the... Uh... School supplies at schools. Yes, and the, the creeping uh, red menace. Uh, yeah, well, my my daughter, I just spent you know a couple of bucks for that, and uh, finding out with my uh, wife who actually works that uh, at at the end of all the school year, 
they actually donate it. So, again, so you don't even get year, it back. you have to do it all over again. So let me understand this. So if you buy a whole bunch of school supplies, not only do they come, uh, uh, you know, uh, Stalin style and take all your crap and put it in a communal pile, but then at the end of the year, the school just keeps it? No, no they donate it. But, but that's what I mean, but you don't get it back. No. Well, what kind of crap is that? Oh, exactly. Can oh, you take man. it up on your taxes? So, yeah, so basically you, every can, year you, you have to write that off, buy 30, 30 boxes of pencils. And then what would uh, happen if you just every said, single year? What would happen if you just said no? What would I mean? I, I'm not trying to sow dissent. Well, I guess I am. What they won't happen, know. Is it, I mean, what would you just happen if you just told your kid like use your own crap and you told the school to get bent? Um. Well, it, yeah. Anyway, do, do me so. a favor. Just try to tell the school that Rick Emerson says to get bent, and that, you know, I mean, honestly, I just, kind of it just doesn't make but any sense. Oh, that's all the schools, oh, and you know, damn, and, I, you know. It, is, it sucks to be a student. It really does. It's good to be a kid right now, but it sucks to be a student. It really does. Just beyond words. All right. Thank you, sir. Yep, yep. Bye. All right. Uh, let's see. Oh, I see. Our own. Let's see. Let's let's go to the uh, the warm line here where um, Susan Gahagan Reynolds is uh, joining us now on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, Susan. Hello. If, if indeed that is your real name. Well, first let me state uh, unequivocal, whatever that word is, that I am not a communist. Uh-huh. Oh, Susan. Oh, really? That's now, whatever you whatever you say, <laughs> you know, the, I think someone has been taken in by the red bait, hook, line, and sinker, Susan. <laughs> okay, whatever you say, Rick. Yes, well, I'm just no, no, no. I, so you, I could not believe this morning this thing you were telling me about how they, they they take your kids' office supplies away and then they also come out of some common pile like she's living in a commune in Eugene. Well, you know, and I didn't even realize this the first year or so, but then it, it occurred to me when I was buying things like red pens. Red pens. Because the kids, when they're in first and second grade, they never even use anything but a pencil or a crayon. So really we're supplying the teachers with the red pens. Uh, but, you know, I'm trying to be supportive. I did see another mother this morning, and she said to me, she kind of whispered, uh, you know what I did? I went through all our old stuff, and I just picked it up and brought it in. So so this is sort of like when you donate canned goods, and you just find lima beans or something you don't want. Exactly. Inspiring mothers. Yeah. Getting a broken printer to goodwill and writing it off. <laughs> can you, Susan, can you write off school supplies? I don't think so. But now you can write off, you know, the donations that you make to the school because they always send home this envelope, you know. If you can't volunteer your time, then, you know, be part of the write-a-check program. What a write-a-check? It's the called paying my taxes, you sons of bitches. <laughs> well, I'm part of the write-a-check program because, as you know, I'm very busy here and I don't have time to volunteer in the classroom. Yes, yes, I know. I, I'm just, it just bothers me that like they jack you for your taxes and then they're like because at private school it was even worse where i was paying to go to school my parents were paying tuition and yet then they would get hit up for like you know like the big pbs style uh, guilt drive like two or three times a year yeah and i even saw a couple kids getting off the bus this morning with they they the school will actually sell you the pre-packaged school supplies in other words everything you need here in one you know cellophane wrapped package oh that's handy and so i saw a couple kids you know getting off the bus and, you know, wheeled these gigantic packages of school supplies that the, that their parents, you know, were too busy to go out and well, buy. Susan, how is your daughter doing? Any trouble? Uh, which one? 
I don't know, the biggest trouble. Yeah, that, well, you know, we did. <laughs> there's always incidents. You know, we, we had a few. Is it, is it true that she, uh, I hope I can mention this. Uh-oh. Is it true that she wanted to go to, she wanted to go to Rockfest and you flat out forbid it? <laughs> yeah, she did. Because she knew that Incubus was playing and she thought that would be cool. Yeah. And, uh, you know, couldn't she come? And I said, no. I mean, I didn't even, she couldn't get the sentence even out before I was yeah, saying no. Definitely what you want to do is send her to see a concert by a band named after a demon that has sex with sleeping girls. Well, right, yeah. right. Oh, there you go. That good times for everyone. That didn't need to be pointed out. All right. Well, uh, well, we'll keep you off the uh, the red watch list. Susan. Thank you so much, because I really do not need that on top of everything else. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Susan All right. Reynolds. Bye bye. Susan Reynolds, CBS Radio Portland marketing not a communist. guru. Not a not a communist. I feel like her head might explode one of these days. Yes. Yes, I do too. And you're gonna make it. Yep. I. Right. Let's see. Uh, try to make it on a Thursday, Susan. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yeah, I, I want to know what they're doing with all the school supplies. My kid is six, and she's born in first grade. What does she need with 24 glue sticks along with everything else? Well, uh, maybe, maybe, no, nah, I was going to make some sort of huffing joke, but you I mean, can't I huff think, a glue stick. I don't I know. I think they're selling the stuff on eBay and keeping the cash. Well, it does like seem... Like they do with all the airport stuff. Yeah, or like some, somebody in, uh, I don't know, was in Hillsborough, some teacher sold some kid's jacket up on Craigslist and got busted for it. It, it does seem likely, I say here on KCMD Portland, it does seem likely that schools being underfunded and sort of under, and I'm not trying to knock schools, I mean underfunded, understaffed, undersupplied, whatever, but it does seem like this is a handy way to avoid for the schools to avoid having to buy their own crap if they just force the parents to do it. And, and then they just sort of bogart the stuff at the end of the school year and don't give it back. That's just weird. Yeah, and you know, and I don't even think they're doing that great of a job because I had to stick my kid in tutoring this summer just to kind of get her up with the the median of what they say. I mean, you know, like they show us a graph of how the kids are doing in class. She's about halfway, and and they don't care. And they don't care if the kids are in the bottom half. It's just like there's kids in front of them, kids behind them. And we're like, well, so what should we do about it? And they said, oh, nothing. <laughs> well, that's handy. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks for your help. How much, if I can ask this, does a tutor cost a, a lot? I mean, is, it, is that a thing that, because, you know, you hear about parents. that then when I was in school, I had friends of mine that would get tutored and whatever. And I, is that a thing that, is it, is it very expensive? It, yeah, it's very expensive. She was going for like uh, two hours at a time, two days a week, and I think it was like 40 bucks an hour. I hate to say this, I really do because it makes me sound uh, it makes me sound exactly like one of those people that I sometimes dislike and it makes me and especially because I had in many ways a negative experience with this. But man, if I ever had kids, there's just no way I would send them to a public school. I mean there's no there's no way on earth. I just wouldn't do it. Yeah, I don't know how we could afford not to do it, but yeah. All right. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Good luck. All right. All right. That's always a lot of fun when they show you the graph. Uh, here's the average student up here on line five. Now, if you look down at line one, you'll see Kelsey. Now, this is what we call the danger zone. Uh, all right, well, look at all these calls about the children. Hey, later on, we will have a top five about children. Uh, also, your chance to win the final Queensryche 2 disc set today. More from Tim Ryder. We'll just roll through this break, because what do I care? Uh, let's see. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. No. No, that's really wrong. I Who is I, it? I can't, I can't explain to you how, how deeply wrong that is. Let's oh. welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. That Don't sound disappointed. For Tim. 
No, I love Steve Kastenbaum. I get to meet Steve Kastenbaum. CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum in New York City. Hello, sir. How are you? Doing good. Thank you. That was really funny. Uh, we couldn't be more polar opposites, I think. No, it's, uh, you and uh, Jim sort of always sounds amped up like he's ready to go bust somebody on the bridge of the nose. You always sound uh, like you just had a satisfying lunch and are ready to go jogging. <laughs> we're, we're pretty different. I mean, you, you do seem to have a lot of pep. I like Jim a lot. I think he's a great guy. Great guy. We uh, get along really well. Yeah. Can I just say this? The great thing about uh, about you know all uh, the CNN guys, all of you, and I'm including everybody. It's a gender neutral term, but all of you guys, they're all cut from different sections of the same cloth. Uh, because there's Ed uh, McCarthy in Atlanta, who is just like the most mellow, laid-back guy ever. Like I always picture him wearing a linen suit, uh, sipping a mint julep. Um, <laughs> There's Lisa, Lisa Goddard, who has this sort of math, debate, drama nerd, uh, you know, pop culture, political dork thing going on, which is, is really, like, sweet and charming and alluring kind of all at once. Um, there's, uh, you know, Jim, who, again, just, just always sounds just a little drunk and belligerent, which is, which is wonderful. There's Rachel McGrath in Los Angeles, who hates me, and that's kind of her, uh, that's her, ende- her endearing quirk, is her v- barely concealed loathing for me. Uh, and then there's, you, you just have, and again, I don't mean this as a knock, you just, you have this relentlessly sunny and cheery optimism that just comes blaring through the phone every time we talk to you. Hey, thanks. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> See right there, like I, if I picture you in my head, it's like with a blindingly white smile and that little ting coming off your teeth while you while you pose for the camera. That's pretty funny because my fiance says I'm always smiling, so yeah. It really is true. Um, all right, so I hope it means I live long. They say you know if you're smi- if you're happy and you smile a lot, uh, it's good for your health. Well, I mean, if you smile a lot, it might mean you're going to live long. But of course, living in New York sort of it becomes a wash. I think okay. at that point it balances out. It really does. Um, t- Am I so? I'm reading this story here um, about this. There's what is a protest outside of Bloomberg's office because they are opening what an Arabic or is this an Arabic elementary school, a Muslim elementary school, or is it both? Is it am I am I screwing this story up horribly? It's really it's really confusing. I'll try to make it easy. Um, the New York City school system over the last couple of years has been sort of changing the way schools are run. And they're opening up more and more of these schools that sort of have a private-public partnership, and the schools act independently. Okay, so a lot of these schools uh, have themes, and many of the themes uh, are along cultural lines, like a Spanish studies school, a Chinese studies school. So this year they opened up an Arabic studies school in, uh, in Brooklyn. And uh, a lot of people are happy about this. They say it's great, you know, like all the other things that we teach our kids, you know, all the other cultures, it's good to – open one up for Arabic studies, especially in today's world where, you know, uh, the, the kids may not see a fair and balanced view of the Arabic world. Okay, so then along comes these people who are protesting and saying that public funds should not be used for the school, and they're calling it a publicly funded madrasa. But it's not a madrasa. A madrasa is a religious school that is usually attached to, um, to a mosque. And this school, they have to follow, follow uh, the same sixth-grade curriculum that every other school does, but in addition to that, they're going to be teaching the students uh, Arabic, the language, and also about Arabic culture. But uh, these folks who are protesting are saying that, uh, you know, the people that are involved with this school are, are questionable, and there's going to be a religious uh, aspect to this, whether we say there shouldn't be or not. 
it's just going to happen. Well, and, here's let yeah. me let me just ask the question then that, that, that just screams to be asked. So uh, these, generally speaking, these folks who are so annoyed that as they say, uh, public funds are being used to fund some sort of Arabic school, are are these the same types who though are always insisting that we have to teach the Bible because it's a quote historical document? No, actually, uh, the opposite. These are these are, are folks who are saying there shouldn't be any of this in the schools, that it should all be taught within the context of a general public school education, that we shouldn't separate out uh, these, these different groups, but, uh, but they're sp- specifically focusing in on the Arabic school because they're afraid that this is what some of the protesters said. They're afraid that some Wahhabism, uh, you know, views will get into it. You know, the Saudi Arabian uh, uh, fundamentalist uh, Muslim views will get infused into this curriculum. And this one protester put it this way. It's my son. Oh, actually, actually that's a mother of a student. Uh, we'll get to her in a minute. But uh, this protester put it like this. The purpose of the American public school system was to take a group of Americans from diverse backgrounds from different countries and to mold them into one thing, Americans, to learn about American history and American culture and to identify as Americans. And then there was was this one. Wait a minute. In the backyard of 9-11, we will not allow a madrasa to crop up and then spread all over the country. She sounds really well informed. Yeah, you know, I was actually surprised to see these protesters in New York City. It just, uh, all right. I, you know, I, as my father once uh, once said, you know, you just can't fight stupidity. This just, you can't, you can't fight stupid. And it, it gets even better. The the new principal of the school, because they sacked uh, the the Muslim principal because she had some dealings uh, with an organization that some people felt, uh, you know, wasn't what a principal should be doing. You know, they were selling T-shirts that said uh, Intifada NYC. And she was talking about um, it had to deal with a uh, a Muslim women's group, and it wasn't what we thought it was. But anyway, so she was sacked. So the new principal is an Orthodox Jewish woman who doesn't even speak Arabic, and these people are still up in arms. Uh, All right. You know, I've discovered the problem with... Discovered the problem with New York, the United States, and the world. The problem is people. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> people are the problem. People of all stripes, people from every walk, people of all cultures, creeds, religions, persuasions. People are the problem. So that's it. You're just, that's it. So as long as they're people, we're just going to have these problems. You know, the only good news for me is that I don't really care. And so for me, I can just view it all as some sort of perverse uh, human entertainment. You know what I mean? It was it was entertaining, I'll tell you that much. Uh, you know, the, you, I wish you could have been there for the whole news conference uh, at City Hall because it was quite interesting. It wasn't something that I was accustomed to seeing here in New York City. Hey, uh, by the way, but before we uh, before we let you go here, uh, if it is cool with you, uh, I am going to put you on hold, and if you're comfortable with this, I'm going to have you leave uh, an email address with Scotty so that Sarah can get in touch with you yeah, about I her trip to New York. Yeah, I find email address anywhere. Oh yeah, sure, no, not a problem. All right, so I'm going to put you on hold, and Scotty will get that from you. Great. Excellent. Thank you, sir. There you go. Steve Kastenbaum. You just made me sound all creepy. If it's okay with you. No, I, you will no, 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 I'm just saying, well, I don't know what rules they have at CNN. That's the only, that's the only reason I ask. Because I don't, know, I don't know if CNN... If he has to go through Laura. In other words, I don't know if they have, like, an internal email address that they're not supposed to use or, you know, whatever. No, no, no. It had nothing to do with that. I just, yeah, I, who knows how that place runs. I mean, I'm not trying to knock CNN. But, I mean, really, honestly, I have no... You know that we have stepped on toes inadvertently at CNN with things that we didn't think were, you know, uh, out, out of the ordinary at all. So it had nothing to do with you or Steve. It's, it's that place. So I just, you know, I am really ridiculously excited to see CNN. No, I mean, it's cool. I wish I was going. I really, I really do. I should find out if they have a London branch and I should stop in. 
Uh, the, well, because I missed, I felt you so... You Rachel McGrath's name because she's such a fan <laughs> of yours. Seriously. I felt so dumb the last time I was in Los Angeles, driving by the, there's the CNN building. That was it. It's just, that's, you know. So, uh, well, we'll just roll through this. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Hey, Rick. How's it going? What's up? Hey, I used to be a volunteer coordinator and a PTA president at my daughter's elementary school. And they tried to do the pooling of everybody's stuff. And we got to the point where we just said enough is enough. And, I mean, I have kids that range from high school to middle school now, is that we just don't do it. We refuse to do it. We buy them what they need. We put their names on it. We instruct them and their teachers that we purchase this stuff for them to be used by them and nobody else because what we found out through the inner workings is that basically the reason they pooled it was for the simple reason that there was a lot of people's children, and we won't be specific, Hispanic, that uh, these kids, the parents wouldn't buy them anything or couldn't afford to buy them anything. And so well, I was uh, being so, taxed into so, buying other people's their supply. Well, and so it, it probably even more so than that. I mean, it, it probably it is just anybody who is of, uh, of modest means, anybody who is perhaps coming from a uh, financially disadvantageous background. It's not like poor folks have a lot of money to be spending on pens or something. So, so yeah. is that, but it's like, but what? But I mean, really, why? Why doesn't the school cough enough that money? I mean, isn't that? Well, isn't that kind of? Well, what, I mean, I don't even know why I care about this. It just bugs me for some reason. Problem is, is that like part of being a PTA president was that I used to every year we'd we'd collect funds. You know, we'd send kids out to sell things or whatever, and the school administration will pay for things, general things. They will not pay for teacher supplies. There are lots of teachers, unfortunately, out there who literally will have to buy stuff for their own classrooms, like extra paper or pencils or, you know, just basic supplies that the school should supply because they're too busy basically making sure the administrators have most of the money. They always cry how they don't have any. I mean, I've looked at school budgets and see just how much is wasted. So every year we literally, as part of our PTA budget, we would put in $125 for every single teacher so that they wouldn't have to spend the money to buy things like extra pencils or erasers or binders for kids and stuff like that, which to me is absolutely ridiculous because Oregon per student has one of the highest rates of money that goes into the system per student. It's over $6,000 per kid, yet we can't afford to buy any of these kids anything. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Well, thank you, sir. Appreciate You're it. Welcome. Thanks for the info. That's Dave. You know, I got to say this about being a school teacher to me is sort of like, to me, at this point in American history, becoming a public school teacher is a lot like joining the military. It's one of those things that I, that simultaneously, like, I admire, yet it just puzzles me to my core. You know what I mean? Like, we have all the respect in the world for people that are in the military, lots of listeners in the military, guys who are overseas right now. We have listeners in Iraq and Kuwait and Germany and whatever. Which is fine. I mean, I have all the admiration in the world for those guys. I just don't understand it. I really don't. It just, it's, it's complete. Like, and I was, uh, I won't say where, uh, but I was at a, uh, I was at a recent uh, gathering of, of folks, uh, an event, uh, and there was like the big, uh, the big military uh, come sign up here booth. And I mean, and it was just all of these guys. Maybe they were just in it for the T-shirt or something. But there's all these guys walking in and lining up uh, to talk to the military recruiting guy. And again, it's not like yeah. I'm, I'm not down on the military as such. I just, in 2007, it just, it, man, it seems like a real dicey proposition. That's all I'm saying. I just, you know, you know a braver man than I am, Gunga Din. Uh, let's see. Uh, hey, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Why? Hello there. Hey, how's it going? What's up? I really, uh, can I just tell you this? If you would ask me this morning at 9 o'clock if I was going to be talking about school supplies uh, on this program for a whole segment, I really wouldn't have thought the answer was yes, and yet here we are. What's up? 
Oh, uh, wait, it's about communism. Yes, of course. That's... And, and, and the evil tyranny. No, it's so, it's funny that that was my immediate response without even thinking. Well, they pulled their schools about it. That's communism! And I was just all disproportionately angry about it for like five seconds. Yeah. No, the, the exact same thing happened to me. I kind of kind of call it in with uh, my daughter when it comes to shopping for school supplies. Uh-huh. My wife comes home. She's like, hey, we got we got Josie your school supplies today. I'm like, oh, great. Did you get your princess or your, your kitty or your whatever type of pencils that are cool and, and especially yours? And she's like, no, we share all of our supplies. And I'm like, well, that's a bunch of commie crap. <laughs> that's fantastic. Like, we should teach the children to, to respond with that. When the teacher asks them to pull their supplies, teach the children to say, I will not be part of the creeping red menace. And she's like, she's like, uh, what's a commie? And, and that started a new discussion. Somebody who but wants yeah. to share your Hello Kitty pencil sharpener. That is the enemy. Excellent. You know, exactly. somebody somebody in the audience with a lot of artistic ability really ought to make one of those old 40s-style propaganda posters. You know what I mean? About, you know, beware creeping Ivan. Except instead of like a guy looking over a fence, it's like a child wanting to share your child's school supplies. Excellent. Right, right. When, when you sharpen your own pencil, you sharpen it with Stalin. Or exactly. Like there you go. When you right. wait. All right, there you go. Thank you. Be like a kid. Be like a kid on a swing set or something. You know what I mean? When you swing alone, you swing with Stalin. Ah, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson show. Hello, sir. Hey, buddy. Oh, ma'am and Chris. Hello. What's up? Uh, that would be me. You yes. know, I I got to pitch in a little bit on this. I I totally. I just did the school shopping for a fourth grader and an eighth grader. And the one thing that keeps it from being communism, I spent thirty-eight dollars for the fourth grader. Uh huh. And $71 for the eighth grader because he had to have a very specific brand of scientific calculator. Now, is this is this like the was school this the said this or he said this? Well, nerd, what did you just say? The TI what? 82. Was it the TI 82? No, they don't use Texas Instruments anymore. Yeah, Sarah. I'm old. Seriously. I don't. It's, it's, by the way, it's indicative of my level of education that never in my life have I owned a scientific calculator. Really? I wouldn't know how to use. What would I have used a scientific they calculator They were great. For? You could save formulas and stuff in one of the little secret parts, and then that way if you forgot them during the test, you could just go and look on your calculator. I don't even know how to use a scientific calculator. The thing is, you don't use those formulas in the eighth grade. I just, it doesn't even make, I was just going to make the joke that you're, I mean, for your kid, the cost probably comes from Kevlar or something, but I mean, yeah. it's the, I mean, in eighth grade, I mean, no, no, no fool in here. Really, honestly, what do you need? What is a scientific calculator for? What kind of math is that for? Trigonometry. Is that what it's for? Like and, for and, and calculus or something? Yeah. So it's just, I mean, it. That is kind of weird that as we're constantly told that schools are just turning out morons by the group, that they do seem to be dropping the age at which they introduce really bizarre, uh, advanced concepts in math. Well, and some of the things things they were asking me to provide for my fourth grader, I mean, I get the 24 packs of 24 pencils each. I don't know that my son's going to use 400 pencils in a year. (laughs) Unless he's really industrious. But, okay, I can understand, you know, maybe that's, that's to, like the other call said, you know, to, to provide for the individuals that, that can't. Yes. But he had to provide eight packs of Post-it notes. And that's, you know what that and, is? That's right to the teacher's lounge. That's where and, those go. And two packs go. 
of dry erase markers. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's right there, so they can talk about where the uh, whose house the barbecue is this weekend in the teachers' lounge. I will guarantee you that's what that is. They're just packaging up the stuff I buy. They they take what they need, they package the rest of it up into cellophane and sell it to the other kids who didn't have it, totally. and then put it back in the coffers. Goes right in the vending machine at the uh, the in the uh, cafeteria. All right, there you go. That's me, Chris. Let's do one more, and then we'll break. We'll go out on this call. Uh, hello, Frank. You're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, Rick, uh, long-time listener, just wanted to uh, let you know I am moving out of the area, so your signal is going to be fading slowly here over the next uh, 45 minutes. Where, so. where are you moving to? To the southwest Arizona. Uh, and so are you on your way out of town right now? Literally as we speak, or is it figuratively? I'm not sure which. It's, it's literally. It's literally. Figuratively, <laughs> uh, figuratively, you are uh, a bagel or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and so you are. So how long have you been listening, sir? You know, back to the uh, to the old uh, days with uh, what's uh, his name? Former radio stations and the guy, uh, yeah, the network and all that good stuff. That's uh, a long time. You. And, and, you know, I'm probably at the top end of your demographic. I am uh, in my fifties, and just enjoy your youthful exuberance and uh, take on life. Uh, thank you for the many laughs for. Uh, the many hours, literally hours of entertainment, uh, my, both my, uh, my lovely bride and I listen and laugh and, uh, have just enjoyed you and, and Tim and Sarah and, and a cacophony of those interns, the wacky interns that come in and out of the, out of the thank you, sir. show. And thank you for so, calling it youthful exuberance. Most people call it irritating hyperactivity. Ah, well, you know. Well, we will miss you, sir. I hope you get back to Portland one of these days. We are uh, available online in podcast form at 970.am. So uh, so thanks for being out there all this time. We we listen uh, regularly, and uh, again, just uh, best damn show ever. So you guys uh, take good care. Thank you, sir. Thank you for listening. All right. There you go, my friend. Travel safe. That's uh, Frank headed out of town to Arizona. Well, there you go. Well, that's a little bittersweet. All right. On that note, we'll take a break. Come back. Tim Riley returns around the corner with more news and comments. Uh, top five songs about the children. And then we have a very special guest who I know nothing about coming in at 2 o'clock. Who are we talking to, Sarah? We're talking to Trevor Solomon from the Willamette Week. Come on. No, I know. Oh, okay. So he's from the Willamette, not from the Northwest No, he, he works for the Willamette Week, but All he's right. the director um, of Music Fest Northwest. All right, which I actually am very excited about. So that's coming up this... What day does that actually start? What is the kickoff date? It starts on Thursday. It starts on Thursday. So Northwest Music Fest, uh, that'll be at 2 o'clock. We'll be talking to Trevor Solomon about that. Coming up at Music Fest Northwest. <laughs> See, this is your thing. This is why you got to come up. This is why you've got to figure out what to ask him. Oh, you're the talking oh, head. Yeah. Yes, but I'm old. I'm... That moment with the TI-82 scientific calculator was genius, by the way. There'll be more of those coming up in the uh, in the years that follow. Back after this is the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. She's from heaven, like all children. 503-733-2970. Speaking of which, coming up, uh, maybe after the news here, uh, we'll do the top five. Top five songs about the children. Or children. It's all children all the time today. Well, Sarah, they are America's future. America's white, white future, if you look at this. Uh, what is this? Radio, TV Radio Mirror magazine. TV Radio Mirror. It's fantastic. I really, it that's like, it was like five bucks. That's the best five bucks I ever spent. Yeah, it's just a gold mine of America's past. America's rich Caucasian history. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Final email about school supplies. Rick, picture this. 
Picture a filthy kid of questionable hygiene getting your Pilot V5 and pressing too hard on the nibble, chewing the cap. Meanwhile, you get a dried-up paper mate from Motel 6. Yeah, it's true. And that, and man, what is, okay, and this is my final observation about the whole school supply thing in general, at least for today. And, that, and you know that you would bring, like, high-quality paper, and then some other, uh, you know, some other Kenny-looking kid would bring in that paper that had, like, big pieces of wood in it. You know what I'm talking like that not It's not even newsprint. It's like that paper they would give you in, in kindergarten with the huge dotted blue lines, and there were, like, full-on wood chips or whatever in it. I mean, what is I, you know that paper I'm talking about? Did you have that at your school? Really, honestly, like, big pieces of wood in the paper. Oh, yeah. I mean... I just really just yeah, that like, was really strange. Just like the trashiest paper on earth. All right. It's 503-733-2970. Here's what's coming up. We'll do the top five here in just a, a skosh. Uh, and then coming up next hour, we'll talk to Trevor Solomon from the Willamette Week about Music Fest Northwest. See, I sounded like I knew what I was doing that time. Uh, and so forth. In the meantime, though, ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for the one and only Tim Riley. At where? Ministry of Truth. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Scandalous! Nicole Kidman suffered a miscarriage of married to Tom Cruise. This from the pages of the Liz Vanity Fair magazine. She was only 22 early in her union. She calls it very traumatic. And then it adds, from the minute Tom and I were married, I wanted to have babies. Well, they couldn't have any on their own, so they adopted two. Why couldn't they have any on their own, I Q. suppose? <laughs> what? I'm sorry? I was saying, come on, cue raising Arizona quote. No, oh, no, no, no. I wasn't going to do that. I, I was just I was just wondering it. I don't know. It's probably some sort of a... Some sort of an explanation for that. I can't. Yeah, Senator I was just going to say, I was trying to figure out how to tie it into his kids. <laughs> uh, but I suppose we'll just go right for the uh, right for the punch there. Yes, ask Senator Larry Craig's children, who are just in a phenomenal state of self-denial about their father, by the way. Their self-hating former congressman father. Here's Tim Riley. Well, it's not really their biological father. No, because he apparently never had children with his wife. Too busy thinking about other things, I suppose. <laughs> I suppose. Well, Senator John McCain visited the youngsters at Concord High School in New Hampshire and took some questions, and they came out to be kind of embarrassing. Does what? he know they can't vote? Yes. They're of no help to him. No, both parties go after the young people voting for them every time. Yeah, okay. Uh... Well, at Concord High School, someone said, if elected, you'd be older than Ronald Reagan, making you the oldest president. Do you ever worry that you might die in office and get Alzheimer's and some other disease <laughs> that would affect your judgment? Uh, the senator's response? What was your name again? Thanks for your question, you little jerk. <laughs> Did uh, he really say uh, that? I'm still oh, waiting for please tell me there's audio. I've been looking at oh. it yet. See, uh, that kind of stuff makes me want to vote for him just to see what would happen. You know what I mean? You know, can I just say this? I would want to vote for John McCain for president, the same reason that you want to see, uh, like, uh, the retarded fat kid voted prom king. You know what I mean? Just uh, just to kind of screw with things a little bit, just for a goof. Just to kind of see, you know, and now uh, Angus and Kerry White, your prom king and queen. You know, just just to see kind of what, what the ripple effect would be. The idea of having uh, a president who would just sort of punch people and, and just, you know, sort of come across the table and give you a boxing of the ears when you displeased him, that right there, that's enough to swing my vote right there, if only I voted. Here's Tim Riley. It was uh, Whoopi Goldsberg's Goldsber uh, uh, first day on The View today, and she said, who's he? Hey, Crunchy, <laughs> you, uh, are we interrupting your meal? <laughs> really, that's a, like that really is sort of a weird endorsement for sunships because even like three feet away from the microphone, it's like that ringing was just echoing in my ears. 
All right. I'm sorry, I'll stop. Okay. Thank you. Well, Whoopi said that uh, Michael Vick had a different relationship with animals than people in other parts of the country do. This and the world that he comes from, it's not important. We have a different relationship to dogs and yeah. cats and things. It's like the Chinese. Yeah. They have a different relationship to cats. Yes, his involvement can be blamed on part by where he was raised. From his background, this is not an unusual thing for where he comes from. It's like cockfighting. Part of the country. Yeah, from. it's like cockfighting in Puerto Rico. You know, there there are certain what, things that are indicative to certain parts of our country. He's a multi-million dollar like sports player. He Seriously. knows better by now. I mean, honestly, what does that even mean? Where does? Okay. That's the first day on the show, what she's supposed to do. Uh, is, is she trying to be rosy? Is yeah. this the rosification of Whoopi Goldberg? Where she's gonna, I'm the one who says outlandish things. So this is only day one. I'm the brassy one. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's find out right now where Michael Vick is from. Let's see. Let's. I guess somebody's got to fill that chair. Somebody's in as much as anybody can ever fill Rosie's chair. Somebody. I guess she's gonna be the. Uh, she's gonna be the one who says what everybody's thinking, but everybody's just afraid to say. Mm. Whoopi speaks her own truth. Uh, see, see how easily I can just roll those hideous phrases off, and you know that's exactly the kind of crap that like is on her webpage about her by speaking her own brand of truth, like she did on her morning radio show that was so successful. Yes, uh, let's see here. Born in, let's see, is there actually a town of Virginia called Newport News? Yes. Really? Let's. I find... believe that's a naval base. Uh, let's see. Newport News. It is an independent city on the southwestern end of the Virginia Peninsula. What is that supposed to be? I have no idea. So, there you go. So, but yes, apparently apparently in Virginia, people love to see dogs hit with a cattle prod. Apparently it's just part of the culture. Jesus, God. All right, whatever. Anybody ever hear of Olala, Washington? Walla Walla? Olala. Mulala? Olala. <laughs> oh. Lala. O-L-L-A-L-A. No. Oh, Lala. Well, that's where somebody was attacked by a bear in the woods. I asked him how he knew, and he said because the bear was on top of him, and he was oh. able to see everything. Oh, that's unpleasant. Well, he was asked how he knew it was a male bear. That was the question. Oh, well, let's hear that again in context. How did you know it was a male bear on top of him? I asked him how he knew, and he said because the bear was on top of him, and he was able to see everything. Mm-hmm. Please to now give us the background on the story. What the hell is he talking about? You care about, don't you? Yes, no, I do. I mean, I really. If he's if well, he's this talking about in Washington, identify the genitals of a bear. I'd like to know a exactly. A man was cycling in the Banner Forest Heritage Park. This, you know, what you're doing right now? You're doing a little Paul Harvey because you gave us the sort of the tag first, mm-hmm. and now you're going back and you're giving us the rest of the story. The Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife at first thought the bear was a mother with cubs, but later found out it was a male without cubs. So the victim was asked how he knew it was a male bear. No, but so he's bicycling along, and then what did the bear just come out of the woods and attack him? Yes. Wow, that's a bad way to. I just, he's not dead though. No. Okay. Because he, he was just speaking. All right. Uh, they plan to kill the male bear if they catch it, but not if it's a mother bear. If we do catch the sow, we're just going to relocate it and uh, her and make sure we catch the cubs, especially if they're young enough and they're still weaning. Weaning. I thought it was a. So if it's a boy there, you're dead. But they already said that he had a penis. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. And now for no apparent reason. CBS presents this program in color. Here's Tim Riley. The Los Angeles County Health Director is warning residents to protect themselves from the heat after the bodies of two elderly have already been found in the valley. 
Uh, the doctor said that he can aggravate existing conditions such as heart disease, putting old people at general risk. Make sure that you're checking on elderly people, people who may have chronic diseases, who are less mobile. I'm particularly concerned about people who, are, who might not be able to get out to a mall or a senior center. Make sure their wills have been notarized. You know, there, there are power outages all the way from Van Nuys to San Diego. Oh, man, no, when Roop was talking to us yesterday. Yeah, that was the first thing out of his mouth, though. And I said, how are you? He goes, oh, it's hot. It's 116. There's no power. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, that is just, there is, that's why I've always said that I prefer winter to summer in terms of extreme temperature, because when it's cold, you can put on more clothing. The heat, there's just nothing you can do. Right. I mean, if you can't get to an air conditioner, there's nothing. I mean, there is nothing. It really does, and I know I've done this riff several times, but that's, people don't appreciate air conditioning. It, oh, I do. I mean, until it gets to be like this, and you realize what a phenomenal invention air conditioning really is. The ability of modern man to control the weather inside his house is, I mean, it, I, that really, honestly, to me, is right up there with the television. Right. Because you think about a thousand years ago, a thousand years ago, the richest, most powerful man on earth, you know, a thousand years ago, couldn't make it any cooler. I mean, it doesn't matter. You could be running the Roman Empire. If it was hot, it was hot. Nothing you could do about it. But now, even even you know the uh, even the, the most poor among us, if you have an air conditioner in your place, you can control the weather inside your own home. I mean, that is just a phenomenal advancement in human in human endeavor, and people don't really appreciate that. And, and it made the Southwest uh, conducive to people moving there. Yeah, absolutely. And without the, that, nobody else wanted it. Without the air conditioner, there would be no Las Vegas. I mean, that's uh, the, the air conditioner and irrigation is what made uh, Las Vegas possible. Without those two things you'd have you'd have nothing so scotty keeps asking okay here's the thing that scotty caught me with this morning and i know that um scotty seems a little um a little hung over today and so when scotty is hung over and then one or more of us in here is a little edgy it's always a, little, a bit of an interesting day because those are the days when somebody in this room doesn't want to be uh, maybe nagged or poked at and when scotty sort of feels like being everybody's hungover pal and he has a million suggestions that he wants to give everybody during the show that's when it can be um a little tricky to get through all four hours without some sort of conflagration happening. But has Scotty been talking? Okay, here's what happened this morning. And I only say this because it keeps getting typed on the screen. Scotty grabbed me this morning. He's like, hey, Rick, do you want to have, have you guys have heard a song called Jerk It? Was that the, at the point when I was walking away? I don't I know. I, my hands were in the air and I couldn't deal. Scotty kept grabbing. He's like, hey, can we play that song where the guy's like, jerk it? My favorite part of today was when he was reprimanding you on how you should handle Jim Roof when he yeah. calls. You'll note that I just ignored that. Um, so I, I am not familiar with whatever this song is. But he's like, no, there's this song. At, where the, it's the song, you know, that jerk it song. you gotta, oh, you got to play it. So are you, is either of you familiar with the no. with this song? All right. Not to my Tim? knowledge. He no. keeps... He keeps saying that we've got to play it. Let's. Scotty J. I wish I knew how to quit you. Please, I kiss you on the mouth. Please let me. Good morning, Metolius. That can't possibly be clean. Well, he claims he heard it on the radio. Scotty J. Good afternoon, Ironside. Yeah. That's kind of a cool name. Michael Ironside. That is. <laughs> um, so you you claim that there's uh, that you heard it on the radio. Right, but uh, again, we're kind of out of context here, but, you know, my suggestions get followed sometimes, and sometimes they get stepped on. Yes, they do. So <laughs> so, so, please to explain the song. I just thought it'd be good in and How does the breaking. song go? Give me the little hook. I only know the, the music. Give me the, okay, like, but, but, but what, is the, what are the lyrics to the song? 
I really don't know. I, I don't know the lyrics. But you know the title of it. I just, you know, know, how the, I just know the melody. So what is the name of the song? Sound. Jerk It Out. <laughs> There's not a song. So I, apparently so, by the Caesars. Caesar? Salads. Caesar? Like Caesar, like as like in, epileptic? As in salad or the guy that tried to Caesar make Romero? things. Like Caesar Palace? Yeah, like, Palace? like the guy that tried to make on things what cold, but he had no control this, over on, the weather. On what station did you hear the song? Uh, it must have been some one of the uh, uh, autopilot uh, melodic stations. Don't you don't you don't act like you don't know. On what I station? Think, I think it was Charlie. You think it, what were you doing listening to Charlie? I listen to Charlie every once in a while. I got to give it to him. You call yourself a man? <laughs> no, because I, I have kids and stuff, and so it's like you know I go back and forth between. Your kids K- have terrible taste in music. I go between K hits and and things like that. I'm sure your, I'm sure your children love 107. K-hits. We do 107. Daddy, this song. I I remember this song. It's like I have it, I have it actually. Old. It's all out of the. It's. Do you remember the song? It's like yeah. A Does it seem like the kind of thing that Charlie would play? Oh, they play yeah. everything. Hold on. It's not edgy. It's like a it's like a, a old alternative pop song. It, it, I thought it would be good in or out. Uh, now, when they are, are, are the song referring to some sort of a dance, is it referring to some sort of a? That's what I think. Is that what the lyrics are about? It's some sort of a rhythmic action. Uh, it's like a funky chicken. It's exactly like the like you're it's doing. Kind of like the twist, You'll but it's the 2007 version. It's like the this twist isn't from 2007. This is like a, well, a few years old. Well, I guess it's the 2000 version. Let's put it that way. Okay, hey, I have it yeah, in the clean. res. Totally. Okay, I'm looking. I'm looking here. <laughs> Shut up. Hush your mouth. I'm gonna jerk it out. What? Really? Honestly? Okay. Hmm. You know, because the first well, thing. Play it on air. You know. The first thing I thought of when you. Oh, were... that's what it was from. It's from the Apple, uh, the iPod commercial. Ah, okay. The first thing is when, when Scotty's like, "Hey, have you heard that song about jerk it?" The first, the first thing I, well, the second thing I thought of was the song by Morris Day and the Time, um, called "Jerk Out." Um, which was a, a hit back in about 1990, written by Prince, I believe. And the and this is a song that was played on the radio, probably still is, and I think it is also about a dance. Um, and it's uh, it's the chorus is jerk out, I'm jerking everything in sight, which is just which is wonder jerk out, baby gonna make it all right. It it really is like the best thing you've ever heard, and it was it was a, a top ten hit for Morris Day in the time uh, in the early 90s. So I can't believe what I'm hearing. I'm just saying. So, all right. So, what is your deal with this song that we ought to be playing? It is what, like bumper music or something? Yeah, all in right. and out. Do you have Do you have an instrumental of this? Yeah, I do. Where is it at? It's. It, it would. It would. They'd both be in the RES. All right. Hold on. Let me look. All right. So yeah, this came out in 2002. All right. I can't believe you were listening to Charlie. It kind of hurts a little. Really, it does. I listen to. You know that has special significance. You know, every time for I us. listen to AM you know that's how we got fired, right? Yeah, yeah. You know that that station is the reason we were unemployed. But well, it's, it's a different station though now. No, it's not. No, it was it's not exactly. Charlie when you were there. It, well, yeah, it because was. They That's why they fired us. It was oh. to add that station. So thanks, thanks for listening to the reason I was unemployed for a year and a half. Well, just give me a nice paper cut and pour lemon. Spend a lot of time listening to CBS, I but I have to know what other people are doing. I don't see this, Scotty. It's not. It's not here. What is the name of the I've file? I've got it. Well, I. All right, because it's it's called it's by the Caesars. Oh wait, here we go, Sarah. I've got it. I've got it right here. All right, so this is um. Whatever. Oh, I know this song. I totally know this. I just heard this yesterday and I thought, hey, yeah, this is, this is like Rick when you... Emerson and I'll be back in about Is this like minutes. when you when you want to have Smash Mouth play at your party, but you can't hire Smash Mouth because they're too expensive? Exactly. I see. Because I bet that's all these guys have ever done. This is like an A&R guy going, I need uh, some versions of that Walking on the Sun song, but so we won't get sued. Change it a little bit. That's totally what. Yes, this is their one hit, and they re-released it after releasing it in uh, 2002. They well, re-released it in 2006. Well, of course they did. Bands like this never have a second song. 
Yeah, I don't think we can use this. Well, it depends on what Has your somebody, story you, is. or This is just the instrumental version. It's not the actual yeah. version of the guy singing. Wait, so is your idea... I thought that, it was Work It Out. Same is, here. Is your idea uh, that we would use this coming back from a break? Well, I, I'd probably use the, the one singing, yeah, coming Same. back from a break. But. Okay. Well, I'll take that under advisement. And I put some new uh, kind of creepy music in there from, like, To Kill a Mockingbird in case you have a weird story or something. Hey, while you're here... If I were to ask you about the podcast, would I regret it? Yes. Okay. Because I have no idea why things are messed up. I really don't. I've I've done all the steps properly. You know, the audience I've, thinks you hate them. I do the same thing every day. I come in, things are looking good. The next day, they're all messed up. The so. audience, not the, but see how today's is that, podcast. But how be is fine. that possible? How is it possible that it can be fine when you leave, and then the next day it's suddenly been rearranged? Because. See, because there the are part that I don't, this is the part that I don't do, and I don't know what happens. But after I upload today, for instance, yeah. one hours one, two, three, four, it automatically in podcast land gets in changed. Podcast land. It gets changed over to an archive, so you can listen to past shows. Yeah. I don't know where those go or how that gets there. The information superhighway, I believe. <laughs> it goes through a series, series of tubes. tubes. <laughs> wow. Little lightning bolts and sand. Now, do you, do you, I'm always learning. And dreams. <laughs> That's the best thing I've ever heard. Did you guys just freestyle that, or are you quoting something? No. Full of lightning bolts and sand and dreams. That is so great. That's a good promo, Scotty. It really is. Scotty, this is, yeah. Okay. Make a note to self. So do you check the podcast, though, to make sure that it's working? I do. Because I can read you any number of angry emails from the audience, mm-hmm. and they I, all can—I I, I agree. I've they all contain couple. phrases like, "When Kristen was working, this this was flawless." Well, maybe she should I, do it. Okay. I don't know. I'm not trying to pick a fight. I'm just saying, <laughs> is there is it possible that there is some operator operator error? Maybe. Mm, okay, I think that gives us all the answer we need. <laughs> all right. So, if you had to, like, on a scale of one to ten, how confident are you that today's podcast is going to work right? Today, one hundred percent. Now, why today and not ten. yesterday? Uh, because I have no idea why yesterday would be off, because I went in there, uh, got the hours off the recorder, put them up on the inter- on the series of tubes, and it should have been there. Did you just say 100% out of 10? Yes. Okay. We're done now. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Bye now. All right. There's Scotty J, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus, God. We're three hours into this program. Done nothing. Uh, all right. So here's the deal. When is the guy, when is Trevor Solomon going to be here? Is that 2 o'clock? I think so. He, he should be. I wrote him this morning. All right. So why don't we break here? Mm-hmm. Here's what we've got left Maybe to do. Maybe he'll be, uh, bring Byron Beck with him. Well, because it's been a while since I've been groped, savagely. Uh, so I we'll, find it uh, funny that you complain about that, yet every time we go to an event when that Byron's at, you'll be like, oh, I just want to go and say hi to Byron. But you know, but but you know why that is? Him. Do you know why that is? That's preemptive. Because I'd rather, because that way it doesn't take me by surprise. Do you know what I mean? That's a whole walk before I have to run kind of thing. Look, I love Byron. Don't get me wrong. Great guy. You know, it's funny. Enjoy having him on the show. You know, but it, it is only a matter of time whenever I'm at some event with Byron where, like, I will just feel the arms encircling me from behind, and then I and then I just get the full Monty. <laughs> no, no. Much to Byron's disappointment, I haven't gotten the full Monty at this point. Um, uh, you might be giving yourself a little more credit. Do you think that he really wants the full Monty, Rick? I think that um, it would be wrong of me to say. I think that Byron is um, enthusiastic about uh, about enjoying the company of of people. 
I think Byron Byron likes to uh, likes to be with people. That's what I think. I don't think he's too particular, is my point. Because seriously, I'm no prize. I oh, mean, really. His boyfriend is beautiful. No, 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 but that's what I'm saying. But I mean, so he's got uh, whatever, Juan, Juan, is that his name? Yeah. So, yes, his boyfriend is you know, he's a very attractive man. I'm saying, look at look at me. It's not like I'm some, like I'm no Jake Gyllenhaal or nothing. So, the fact that he can't wait to like, find me. Who also might, in fact, be gay, well, I'm just depressing. I'm just saying the fact that Byron can't wait to find me to give me the full grope and the squeeze indicates that, you know, maybe his preferences are pretty wide. It, I don't really know that I'm like the poster boy for, uh, you know. For aesthetic goodness. Let's see. What are we... Uh, We're breaking. Oh, all right, we got a break, and we got to do the top five. So, uh, next hour, we will talk to Trevor Solomon from the Willamette Week. Uh, let's see, more news from Tim Riley. The top five songs about the children. And uh, more Tom Likas, about an hour, Don and Mike at 7. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We return after this. Don't go anywhere. Why, hello there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Coming up later on in this hour, more news with Tim Riley. Uh, today's top five. The top five songs about the children. For the children. Uh, coming up at uh, 3 o'clock, Tom Like us, Donna, Mike at 7, so forth, so on, etc., etc., my friends. On uh, just a moment, we'll be joined by Trevor Solomon from Willamette Week. Uh, is it well? Okay, let me ask you this, Trevor. It's not bring Willamette. You is it Willamette Week or is it the Willamette Week? It's Willamette Week. There's no the. There's no the. This is sort of like Batman or the Batman. Like I just, I never know which way to go. I don't know which way is canonical. Oh no, my I've said the, and my bosses have completely told me on point that it's Willamette Week, not the Willamette Week. All right then. Okay, duly noted to myself. Bosses as in Zussman. Right. Yes. Down. Zussman. Uh, let's see. No, the. All right, excellent. All right, there you go. See, this is the sort of carefully crafted information and solid fact we don't get from Byron Beck. That's all I'm saying. All right, it's five. It's been way too long since we've had him on the show. It's true. No, and I saw him. Uh, what was that thing we were at? The Best of Portland thing? What was the thing under a tent where I found oh, out yeah, I filled out a place? Yeah. Where a guy was like handing me free booze and I felt like a dork. Uh, yeah, that, that was probably best important. Yeah, and uh, and so let me just say that, and don't get me wrong, we love Byron, we really do. But every event uh, that has Byron Beck there from the Willamette, from sorry, from Willamette Week, um, it it's always just a countdown it, it, until at some point he gets on stage and starts yelling something that is sort of unintelligible into a microphone. I love it. I couldn't remember where exactly it was, and then I heard him yelling right before "Sexy Pants" was going on, and I heard his voice. And I'm like, <laughs> totally. all right, it's in that direction. Totally. <laughs> Byron Beck. So, anyway. <laughs> All right. Trevor Solomon from Willamette Week uh, Music Fest Northwest, which starts. And actually, Sarah is really the one who's been kind of guiding me through this like a babe in the musical woods because I'm just I'm kind of lame and I don't leave the house. And I, it, I am a big music fan, but I just uh, it, when it comes to stuff that like local happenings, I'm just not as plugged in as I should be. But this is correct me if I'm wrong. Now, is this um, something that sprang up to sort of take the place uh, or to, when North by Northwest went away? Uh, yeah, um, essentially what happened was the people from South by Southwest in Texas own North by Northwest, and they involved the Willamette Week, and the two split, um, and Texas decided not to come here anymore, so the Willamette Week took it over, and then they started doing Music Fest Northwest, and essentially it started as more of a local, regional thing, and me coming from the world of Mike Thrash, presents and promoter, I was like, Let's bring in a lot of big bands. Let me blow the budget sometimes, and let's see what happens. And last year, it eclipsed 
anything we ever thought it would, and this year I think it's even going to do more so. And so it's uh, what, Thursday, Friday, uh, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, four days. How many bands are going to be playing? About 160. See, it's just, it's at any one. Oh, it's going to be nuts. I mean, is it is it an all-day, all-night thing? I mean, is it Yeah, essentially, to... it is. It's like uh, the station out of Seattle, KXP, uh, local, right. like, uh, radio, um, huge stream station. Uh, they're going to have shows during the day that you could sign up for at the Doug Fur from 11 a.m. till 6 p.m. every day. And then after that, there's Nike shows. Like, the first day, at all these at Audio Cinema, the Nike shows, and, like, the first day is at 3.30 with Bobby Bear Jr., backed by the Decemberists, and then uh, Cat Power playing after him. The second day is Grizzly Bear with Deer Hunter, and then the third day is the Ghostface Killer from the Wu-Tang right. and the Bronx. The Bronx and uh, the Bronx are the uh, – who produced the Bronx? It was somebody – I was just talking Gilby to somebody Clark. about them the other day. Gilby Clark. Oh. That's why – that's very good. That's why I was talking to somebody the other day, and uh, Storm came up, and they were talking about Rockstar Supernova, and they were talking about Gilby Clark. Gilby and his wonderful hair. Gilby and his stapled hair. And then sort of like, no, no, nobody produced that album at the Bronx, which is sort of – it's like a weird sort of slowed down – and it was just like kind yeah, of a Grizzly trashy Bear's sounding punk. And one of my favorite bands right now, too. You should definitely go see them. I think they're playing twice. So. And that, is Bobby Bear Jr., dumb question, is it the son of, of, oh, yeah, of, Bobby of the Bobby Bear? Oh, yeah. So, all right. And then uh, I, there's a bunch of bands here that I recognize, like our good friends 800 Octane are playing. Yep. Cleveland is playing. My wife, who's actually out of the country right now, is going to be upset because uh, there's been, uh, I think it's Ockerville River, Ockerville River. Oh, yeah. They're the big hit right now. Yeah, oh. she's all about those guys. Everybody is about them. Rocky Erickson. Um, from 13th Floor Elevator, Fame is playing, Brian Jonestown Massacre, uh, Spoon, who, uh, Brick Daniels has moved here, so he's sort of local, um, Rilo Kiley, The Thermals. Let me just talk about Rilo, Rilo oh, Kiley God, for a second. Oh, here we go. Let's you mean, let's talk about Jenny Lewis. Well, see, because here's the thing, I don't know, is that I, it, 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 because Sarah is so much more in touch with, with the kids and what they listen to than I am, because I'm just, uh, I'm old and out of touch and enfeebled. But it's, you talk about Rilo Kylie, and it's like Sarah just gets this glow around her. And I, I met, and the guys in the audience who have seen them or know about them talk about Jenny Lewis and her voice and just how she's amazing and she just sounds fantastic. So I don't know anything about them, but I know that Sarah has just been going on and on about Rilo Kylie forever. Yes. Yeah. You should see the new video. There's all these porn stars in it. It's great. And I am there. Now, it's just like, but now, do you have to, get, do you just show up at, at the shows, or do you have to go online and well, get tickets? Do you sign up? There's you... various ways. Um, you could go to, like, Jackpot Records or Music Millennium and buy a wristband or the Willamette Week office and buy a wristband, and uh, that will get you in per capacity, of course. Um, and or you could buy a ticket at the door to any of these shows. Um, and Crystal and Rosen shows we've had advanced sales for, and... Um, you know, and for the Nike shows, it's a little bit different. Like, you get in with any Music Fast Northwest credential and or you could get in with a Nike pass that you could pick up on the day of the show at the Jackpot Records. How many, over the course of this like, four days, how many people do you expect to turn out to go to these shows? 20,000. Jesus. That's just uh, unreal. It's going to be fun, too. I kind of like it because it'll, um, I'm just going to ride from, you know, here and there on my bike because you can just bounce from one venue to another. And that was going to be my other question. Yeah, do you get people that do, you, can, you just plan out your whole day where you hit one show just as the other? Are the shows can. structured so that they don't all overlap? The city sort of Made it a little bit tough this year. ODOT nice. did when they closed down Burnside Bridge on Friday and Saturday. Ugh. All right. Thanks for that. We appreciate that. Well done. Yeah. Um, the big, uh, the artist that immediately uh, jumped out for me, well, it, uh, in addition to the people we already know that are friends of the show, is Patterson Hood. Um, the drive-by drive truckers, who I love. I yeah. love the drive-by truckers, and I don't know what his solo stuff is going to be like. It doesn't matter. I'm totally, I'm going to go. doesn't matter. He is phenomenal. Actually, his, uh, this guy that was in the truckers just left the band. He just played here August 13th. That Jason Isbell. Yeah. Great show. 
Fantastic, actually. Yeah, he was at uh, Dante's, Dante's think, yeah. a few weeks ago. So, uh, so I'm all about that. And then this is, and it benefits. Uh, it benefits the Oregon uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and uh, the. Uh, yeah, it's Camp for Girls. Uh, rock the Rock and Roll Camp, camp for Girls. Yeah. If people um, want to find out more, it's uh, musicfestnw.com. Dot com. Musicfestnw.com. And I know Sarah has already. And as, as we get no, I already, closer I was to showing this, you my sticky notes. I've been, like, mapping it out because it sucks because a lot of them overlap. So you have to try and, like, pick and choose who you love the most. Here's, um, it's like the days before TiVo when, like, the three, the oh, three yeah. shows you like but all be on Wednesday night at 9 p.m. So as we get closer to it, so I told Sarah that she has to, because I am so out of touch, she has to walk me through. Uh, each day, and she has to point me in the direction of something that I ought to be seeing, you know, a band that I ought to go check out. So, yeah. Hey, I, do you have any big recommendations? Yeah, who are you most excited about? I'm actually excited for, uh, like, Thursday night Aqueduct uh, at midnight uh, at the Doug Fir. Uh, they're a, a Seattle band on Barzook. Um, Friday night, I would check out Eric Bachman from Crooked Fingers, Archers of Low Fame, uh, midnight at the Doug Fir as well. And then Saturday, I would check out the Dirty Projectors at Satyricon at 11 o'clock, or Girl Talk at 11 o'clock at the Roseland. Uh-huh. Girl Talk is a guy on a laptop who does mashups, and he brings about 100 people on stage, and it's utter chaos. Oh, that sounds cool. What is the high of 2006? What was the highlight of 2006? You look back at last year's. What was the biggest thing that happened? Um, I thought the biggest thing that happened, in my opinion, was. Uh, 500 people outside ready to kill me when the Silver Jews were on and they couldn't get in. Okay. I just am picturing 500 people chanting, we want the Silver Jews. Yeah. Outside. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, and then uh, somebody had emailed me and they asked if the Brian Jonestown Massacre was going to be uh, uh, Midnight this. on Friday at Burbank. How do you keep that all in your head? You've That's just been, like, living and breathing this. You're like one of those guys that memorizes pi to, like, the 500th decimal place. The, the fact that you, I just say it and you immediately know with 160 bands in four days. You know, I mean, I, I sit here and I just, like, I, I translate Can you just feel the ulcer just growing in your stomach with yeah, every day you know, as you get closer yes, to this? You know, yes and no. Somebody asked me the other day if I drink... Uh, to relax. And I was like, no, I just drink to relieve the stress. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, all right. So Music Fest Northwest, musicfestnw.com is the website. Musicfestnw.com. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. All right. Trevor Solomon from Willamette Week. Thank yeah, you, my friend. I we appreciate it. it. All right. Let's take a little brief uh, break here. We'll come back. Frank, Anthony, your phone calls, Tim Riley's News Around the Corner, Top 5, all that coming up. Musicfestnw.com is the website. Back after this, The Rick Emerson Show. in Tigard. This is public Tigard Public Schools. Not to revisit old stuff. But starting in sixth grade, you are required to have a scientific calculator. Sixth grade? I, that's new. That really is. No, I was required to have one pretty young. It's somewhere between when I left school and when you started school then. Because I think I had one in sixth grade. Yeah, because I had never in my life have I owned a scientific calculator. You would have needed a pickup truck to carry a calculator back in my day. 
Do you have a slide rule? Were you, you're not. Yeah, they, they, didn't, they were using slide rules when no, you were they, they, they did have calculators, but you were not allowed to use them then. Really? Because it was uh, cheating? They, they were like 10 bucks. Yeah. I mean, they were, they were, the ones that you find at the dollar store? They were gas-powered. Yeah. The, uh, you know, it's weird to think that actually, you know, a computer that took up a whole room in 1950, I mean, they basically give those away with a free tank of gas now. I mean, yeah, it, we didn't have computers. Um, we... <laughs> Um, all we had was the Apple II where you could play Oregon Trail and, mm-hmm. and drown your cattle. Uh, listen to this. This is weird. I realize now I'm reading a list of school supplies, but if you go to the Tigard Public School, listen to this. How weird is this? Because here's the thing. We don't have kids, so this is the only way we're ever going to have a window under the, under the common man. If you go to the Tigard Public Schools, you are not allowed. It specifically says, guess what you are specifically not allowed to use as a school supply? It's a very common thing that Sarah probably used. A Tim, compass? Tim, no. Tim probably a compass, a protractor. Yeah. Um, well, that's what I was thinking. No. Stab people. You it, yeah, specifically, that's well, that's almost people understandable. People always think about stabbing people. Man, they had a big box of compasses when I went, creepy. <laughs> they, um, do they always think about stabbing people, Tim? I, I think that's a normal childhood thing. Uh, the, when I went to school, they had the big box of, like, rusty compasses. Then you always yes, whenever what... you forgot yours and they wouldn't totally. hold, they just go... And they were all broken. It specifically says students are not allowed to use trapper keepers. Trapper keepers? It says in big letters, no trapper keepers. Well, because I guess it has the things on the inside with, like, you know, centimeters and inches. Yeah, but so does a peachy. Do they still sell peachy folders with little conversion oh, tables I don't know, on the inside? Let me check the peachy I bought yesterday. Oh. No, no need to be snarky. I know it's Tuesday, Sarah, but still. Oh, uh, but it's funny this, guy. It's this Tuesday, not I'll next Tuesday. I'll see you next Tuesday. It's Tim Riley. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Ladies and gentlemen, the Ministry of Truth. Here's Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. So let's go through this whole weekend thing as quickly as possible. First, a 27-year-old Staten woman drowned in the North Santiam River. Apparently, this lady was in an inner tube when it got caught in some logs and debris. And uh, she tried to get loose, and she couldn't. And apparently, they used the chainsaws to cut the logs loose, but it was too late. I mean, who would have a chainsaw in their rack? The Orioles fear investigated the death of a man found dead in a tent on a seemingly happy camping trip. Uh, apparently, the man was found dead, and they don't know why. No sounds of foul play. They are going to do toxicology tests, though. The Coast Guard investigating the sinking of a commercial fishing boat with two people died off of Long Beach, Washington. Now, this was the Papa George. Uh, three survivors are able to make it onto a skiff. A car carrying five people rolled several times after the front passenger punched the driver, causing him to lose control. Uh, this happened in Bothell, Washington. The vehicle was a 1975 Toyota Civic, a uh, Honda Civic, traveling north. When the passenger struck the driver in the face, the vehicle rolled several times before coming to a stop on the south shoulder of uh, State Route 522 just after midnight. It's uh, unknown if anybody was wearing a seatbelt. Troopers believe drugs and alcohol played a role in the crash. No uh, charges have been filed so far. Well, this being the anniversary of the uh, crocodile hunter's death, we do have a crocodile hunting story from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Really? Yes. Somebody said, Rick, I watched the Bindi Irwin show this weekend. I turned it off when she said... The wildlife in the Antarctic is chock-a-block. Do they really say things like that? Chock-a-block? Is that made up? Do you ever get the feeling that people from other countries use slang to screw with us sometimes? Mm-hmm. Just to see if we'll buy it. Mm-hmm. All right, where was this grant pass? Well, first we should hear from Bill. I definitely want to keep doing it because something that he started and I want to help do it because I don't want to grow up in a world without animals. When you 
sleep at night, I come in and look at your soul. Oh, well, the bad animals. <laughs> no, we're going to go to Grand Rapids, to an apartment complex there, where uh, people who live there were startled by a stray alligator found there over the weekend. That kind of thing was like, and it jumped out, and, you know, the mouth was all open over there, like, just jumped out, like, no walking up or looking at us or nothing, just jumped out. Uh, Channing okay. Hayward. No, I mean, what? That was one of the residents of the apartment describing the finding of a, an alligator. Can we, we have the, can I get another run at that? I definitely want oh. to eat that. <laughs> exactly. Like, and just jumped out, and, you know, the mouth was all open or whatever. Like, just jumped out, like, no walking up or looking at us or nothing, just jumped out. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jenny Hayden held on to the animal while authorities were contacted. She used a broom and a cat carrier to catch it. So I got I grabbed my mom's broom and the cat carrier, and I came downstairs basically hunting to catch an alligator like the crocodile hunter. And she did. So Grand Rapids is now free of all alligators. You will never <laughs> I was trying to find my Barbara Billingsley uh, audio from Airplane. It seems strangely appropriate. No, I can't find it anywhere. What are you going to do? I, I don't know. Uh, can you save that soundbite, please, or at least let me know what it's called? Uh, What's the, it called? The, the Man in Michigan? Yes, this is RDDGRP0904.WAV. RDDGRP0904? That's correct, dot .WAV. Glad the computers have made our lives easier in terms of finding things. Mm-hmm. Jesus. All right. Uh, well, let's do one more here, and then we'll do the uh, the top five. What a, a Rhode Island man is accused of extorting more than $20,000 from an elderly mom by repeatedly threatening to kidnap her cat. Gary Lamar was arrested and released on $200 bail. I'm sure he took that very seriously. <laughs> Where is this? Rhode Island. And he's been ordered to stay away from the 78-year-old uh, owner of the cat. $200. Nothing is a sanctity of life like that. $200 yeah. bail. He started threatening to kidnap his mother's... Oh, this is the son. He threatened to kidnap the mother's beloved cat over a year ago when she kicked him out of the house. Uh, Lamar reportedly, uh, allegedly kidnapped the cat once before during the past year and made kidnapping threats on an almost weekly basis. They don't believe the cat was harmed, but they're investigating. The mom made at least two dozen payments to her son to get the cat back. Well, okay. Is that how they like? All right. I definitely want to keep doing it. (laughs) (laughs) The Don and Mike Show. All right. uh, Let's do a, a top five, shall we? Is your uh, top five for five, uh, Tuesday on the four, Rick Emerson Show? Three, two, one. Oh, stewardess. Fire. I speak Chow. I can't. I don't know where my airplane cut went. Counting is wonderful. Counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count. Don't you? Why, ladies and gentlemen, here's Tim Riley back from vacation with this top five. We have the top five songs about the children. I already noticed one missing already. I know. No, yeah. Thank I, God for kids with the Oak Ridge Boys. Scotty, where is it? Thank God for kids. They're magic for Did a while. Can you get on the block? This one's for the children? No. 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 Disappointing list. everyone. No. <laughs> 
as is his rightful place. There's Scotty's in the back, disappointing us at every turn. Without right. mention, we go to Tom T. Hall and 100 Children. Tom T. Hall, really? Yeah. 100 children, brave boys and girls. All right, I'm saying it Why right. Why do we let Scotty pick the top five? Because I overslept. I uh, I did I overslept and I didn't do it. Scotty did because Scotty does a good job sometimes with the top five. He does. There are egregious omissions sometimes. That's the thing. The thing is, we all come from a slightly different musical world, um, you know. And it, Scotty just has sort of a different perspective. Scotty leans very heavily on seventies gold uh, for his top fives and eighties pop rock. But those are the recurrence that play over and over again in his head. That that is true in his own personal music library. This is a recurrence, uh, a recurrent, and some of the others are power golds. Um, this has to be a watch, though. We have to make a watch out of this song. Tom T. Hall. 100 children, great boys and girls. They come from nations all over the world. They come from Asians? That's what it sounded like. Well, okay. Who, who might argue with Tom T. Hall? 100 children singing their song. Don't blow up the world. Don't, <laughs> don't blow up the world. <laughs> Today, this is your if you can help. They have kids in there. They're outlandish requests. Leave us pure water and forest uncut. Whatever happened to buy me a pony? Think of tomorrow. Leave something for us. These children are kind of demanding and whiny. But ours is alive. We think without him we cannot survive. Mm-hmm. Punish all the bad men, praise all the good. Talk to your neighbors about brotherhood. They just don't write them like this anymore. Thank God. All right, counting on the top five songs about the children. Number five is Emph with children. Emph. This is a EMF. Is there singing? I can't really... Oh, boy. This is a Scotty J song. This is like an intro to like an MTV Extreme Sports show. And now, Dan Cortez with... Scotty, aside from the screen, this song is about children. Coming up on a hook. going to go back to this at slack moments. Counting on the top five songs about children. Number four, Tim. Iron Maiden, Children of the Damned. I, uh, by the way, there's also no God Bless the Children of the Beast on here. Only Iron Maiden. What about Please Tell Me Hell is for Children? Oh, you'll have oh. to wait and see. Maybe. Maybe not. 
That's a guarantee. Only Iron Maiden could write a really pretty melodic song called Children of the Damn. Metal is retarded. Just makes you want to clench your fist. Shake it angrily at something. Seriously, I'll take Queen of the Reich for a thousand. All right. Jesus. All right, counting on the top five songs about children. Number three. Kelly Thorpe and Children of the Sun. I used to have to play this song. I haven't heard this in a long time. I wonder if it's good. Probably not. Sure, if I take a break. If I come back later, the song will have started. Oh, you can't get away with this anymore. Remember when you used to, like, rock bands used to be able to write songs that took about four hours to actually kick in? And Scotty's saying he cut a whole minute out of this intro. Oh, Really? Man. Is that true? Did you cut a minute out of this? Jesus. So this is actually a full minute into the song. My Cardomatic has no fast-forward feature, or I'd be using it, by the way. So anyway, this is a very Scotty list. It really is. This is like Scotty is all about the super sounds of the 70s. Uh Scotty is describing this song on the screen as, quote, kick ass. All right, we're done. Uh, counting down uh, the top five songs about the children. Number two, really, I've only got like another 15 minutes. I have no time for the rest of the song. Number two, the Hooters. Where do the children go? I haven't heard, I man, I haven't heard anything but the Hooters in years. Were they a one-hit wonder? I've never heard of the Hooters. Oh. What? <laughs> Jim and I both just had that arch expression. In our... You've never heard um, Day by Day and We Danced? Uh, all You Zombies? They were they had several they had several really big hits in the eighties. And uh, they wrote the guy from the Hooters wrote Time After Time for Cindy Lauper. Oh. I have a cassette of all their hits. And they had that song Elevator of Life or Escalator of Life or whatever the hell that song was. Yeah. This is not one of their better songs. They Day by Day really was a great song. So is all you zombies. Robert Hazard was this guy's name. Oh, you know what else is missing from this list? I just thought of another one that's missing. Oh, this song is crap. <laughs> they don't write songs like this in any genre but country anymore. In any genre but country, if you tried to sing a swaying ballad called Where Do the Children Go, you would be run out of town on a rail. You'd be pelted with cell phones if you tried to sing this. The 80s were the last time when you could get away with singing a song like this. All right. All right. Now, before I play number one here, what haven't we heard so far in this list of songs about children? I just thought of another one. So, Sarah, you had a guess? Um, yeah. Hell is, Hell for, is children. for children. Hell is for children. What was yours? Tim? Thank God for kids by the Oak Ridge. Thank God for kids. They're magic for a while. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, when the Children Cry by White Lion. <gasps> oh, that's a great song. <laughs> yeah, sure it is. Yeah, no, that's a great song. Let's, it play, is. let's play it every day. Whatever. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry, I don't appreciate the majesty of White Lion the uh, the way that some do. When the Children Cry. Um, all right, none of these songs are number one. No. <laughs> Hell is for Children wasn't even on the list, as you'll notice. Number one, although I can't really argue with this. I can't argue no, with... No, I, I can't argue with... I can't argue with number one. What is it, Tim? Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. Teach children well. On K-Hits. This is not a bad song. I can't, I can't disagree with this. As much as I sort of grew irritated with Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young over the years... Uh, they just wouldn't go away. They just wouldn't go away. And it's like... I don't know. And it, 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 I just started to dislike them because of their personalities. But they look smelly. They look smelly, and it's like they were just engaged in one smug hippie movement after another, like well into the 90s. Do you remember when Crosby, Stills, and Nash, I don't think Neil Young, I think he told him to pack it at that point. Do you remember when Crosby, Stills, and Nash stood on top of the pieces of the Berlin Wall and played that hideous song called Chippin' Away? That was stupid. It was like hippies trying to get another grasp at fame. And so here's Crosby, Stills, and Nash at the Berlin Wall, which is coming down with this hastily written song called Chippin' Away, which of course is not about the Berlin Wall. Standing there playing to a bunch of confused East Germans who have no idea who they are. Like wondering who the balding guys are. This is a great song that you can't front of this. This is a great song. And then Neil Young came back for that one album that he did as a favor to David Crosby, because he did what you always do with a junkie. He said, he did like Kevin Smith did. Look, if you come, if you get clean, I'll make clerks too. And Neil Young told David Crosby, like, look, if you if you get clean and impregnate a lesbian, I will rejoin the group. Done and done. All right. All right, we're done. It's 503-733-2970. Do you have something better to play? Yes. Well, I don't know what you mean by better. All uh-huh. right. Is there going to be when the children cry? This is a very serious message. So all of you... Please listen. Little NKOTB. Sure is, Rick Emerson. Yeah. Hey, we're... I feel bad. We've got people on the whole, on the line from, like, Phoenix. People waiting for, like, an hour to talk to us about things. Let's get one call out of this. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Anthony, how can I help you today on the mellow sounds of AM 970? Hi. Well, this is anticlimactic. Oh, Hello, Anthony. Yeah, there's no Anthony. He's listening to NKOTB, Rick. Hello. Hi, Anthony. Yeah, all right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, uh, Rick, I just thought I'd connect the dots real quick for you. Yeah. Uh, you uh, you mentioned Scotty J just bought a $600,000 house. Yes, sir. And you're having trouble with your website, which is .am, right? I believe that's Armenia. .am, yes. I think what you're seeing is the Armenian revenge after Scotty J knocked off their money train. Ah, well done. Good reference, sir. That would, exp- that would explain why he only has one foot. Excellent. That, and he's out. Excellent. Thank you. All right. Back after this, we'll uh, finish it out with a bank of calls and then like us to three. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Really. Stay down. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Show. You remember that stuff I said about taking calls? That was a lie. You tried. We have no time to be fair to another caller. 
But we do have time to pimp uh, shamelessly. Uh, Fat Boy from Court and Fat Boy, 7 to Midnight, Rock 101 KUFO. Hello. Hello. What's up? Tonight at the Mission Theater, the last Firefly at the Mission, we'll be showing the movie Serenity for free. That's what we're going to be doing. So that's that's the that's the extent of my pimping. All right, excellent. I, before you, I would like to leave you with this thought, Fat Boy. Okay. Hey man, is that Freedom Rock? Yeah man. Well, turn it up. See, Fat Boy's my age though, isn't he? <laughs> but have you you you're familiar yes, with that? Yes, yes, I'm familiar with that, and I'm familiar with its uh its more urban counterpart. No, no, my brother, you got <laughs> to buy your own. Hey, Mac, okay, can you do the first half? No, I can't do the first half, no. Hey, man, can I borrow your copy of Hey Soul Classics? <laughs> no, hey, my brother, can I borrow your copy of Hey Soul Classics? No, no, my brother, you got to buy your own. <laughs> I'm doing the kid from Say Anything, and you're doing the second half of the actual commercial. Yeah. That's what's so great about that. <laughs> All right. Hi, we're retards. Uh, hey so, Firefly tonight. Firefly, Great. Yes. The last one, and then uh, we've we've got some ideas for maybe the next ones we'll show at the mission, and uh, they are quite geektacular yes. if they if they come off, and we might uh, we might rope you in on those as well. There you go, that's tonight. All right, my friend, uh, Court and Fatboy, seven to midnight, Rock 101 KUFO. Rick, I hit friend Meyer was ecstatic when I saw the Viso mix pack. I asked him where I could get a case of Will. He said they didn't come in single flavors. When I told him he was a dirty liar, he told me to get bent. I hate that man. <laughs> On that note, we're out. Uh, we want to thank Cena Radio Correspondents, Lisa Goddard, Steve Kastenbaum, and Amanda Moyer. Uh, Rick Emerson Show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM 970, Solid State Radio in the newsroom. Tim Riley, the PA, Scotty J. The gatekeeper is Dave Zinn. As always, uh, my friends, don't let the bastards grind you down. Watch out for snakes. Thanks for listening. Like is next. See you tomorrow. Bye now. Is that how they like, when they jumped out, you know, my-